the difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. Thank you for joining me today. Frustrated. Sorry for the delay. Just to leave it on a quick note at the beginning of the show, for probably the 20th time, my computer has crashed moments before I was about to go live. Probably just one of those glitches as we sprint into the technocratic future they're building for us and people like myself are being attacked and censored for saying things that we can back up with facts. You know, just one of those quirky coincidences we see every day. Great show for you today. And one focal point we're going to start with that I really want to drive home about the, the data that's there, the facts that are out there, and yet people that choose to take what they're being told those represent from the authority. Instead of looking at the actual data, the facts themselves, and reflecting on how, one, what they're saying is absolutely not even represented in the data, but the con the opposite, the diametric opposite of what they're saying is what the data represents. But on top of that, that they're telling you that all of this means that you're safe and it's safe and effective and benefits outweigh the risk and blah, 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 because of what they're claiming. And it's very easy to look at what they're claiming, contrasting with the data and seeing that it's absolutely false. Now, you can call people conspiracy theorists that point to that and say, look at the data, look at the data, look, try, the, the trust the science crowd are the ones saying you're crazy for pointing out that the data contradicts what they're saying. It's, it's an interesting time that we're in. Absolutely. And we're going to go through that to start off today. I'm going to talk a little bit about antibodies again to back up why I think this is happening. And I'm going to get into some information coming from the CDC, what they're saying about the tripling down on the pandemic of the unvaccinated while we're going to start out by proving to you that that's literally not the case. Remember how this all started with the breakthrough conversation? Well, it's a fringe, you know, small, rare, uncommon grouping of people that will get sick after the injections because, of course, when everybody's vaccinated, you're going to have some, not 100%. And then suddenly it's like, well, why are all these people in the hospital? Why are they? Well, of course, because then you move the goalposts. Originally, it was just they would get sick, but it wouldn't be bad. Now it's, well, they're now they're getting hospitalized. Well, of course, because some of them will be, because look at how many people are out there. I keep moving that. Now we're going to point out how the deaths are more. And I promise you the argument will be, well, of course, because some people are going to die after they get the injection. Most people have the injection. It's going to be the same kind of moving narrative, except it started by saying it wouldn't happen. If it did, it would be super rare and it wouldn't be hospitalization or death. And now we're going to get to the point where that's obviously not the case. We're going to go over some more information around the side effects and natural immunity and how that plays a factor in this illusion. And we're going to end today with a, a special guest to go over with the activation tour and, of course, the event that we're going to be holding on the 24th in Franklin with all the details where it's going to be, everything you need to know about it. So make sure you stay tuned all the way till the end. Now, let's get right into it today. Let's start off with where this is coming from. I actually just saw it from this tweet. I, I doubt this is the original place it came from. This is a clip of the show from Joe Rogan with Alex Berninson and what they're talking about. 
Now, as it reads, hey, how weird. You can still die with a shot, especially on COVID-19. You would almost think it doesn't work, so it failed miserably. The entire chain of the scam has to go before the judges, both civil, civil and excuse me, criminal action. I'm just reading it because that's what the tweet is associated with. It's a translation, so it might be a little bit awkward. But the point is what Alex Bernison says in this clip with uh, Joe Rogan. Now, what's really interesting about this is we've already covered this. It's on one, it's on this document, technically this series of documents, the Public Health England, SARS-CoV-2, variants of concern and variants under investigation in England. You've seen us. We've pointed to this many, many times as this has gone forward. And even going back months and months ago, simply showing you that the data, even at that time, was showing on the death level was in fact more than the people they were claiming were unvaccinated who died. The people who were vaccinated had higher deaths than people unvaccinated. But of course they kept that quiet because it wasn't a hugely over the top number and the hospitalizations were more, they were saying. But I was baffled then that how does that make sense? Well, now Alex Bernstein is pointing out in the show and I want, I'm giving him credit for that because I didn't see this. I hadn't revisited this topic until I saw it from him, despite the fact that he has me blocked for pointing out his ridiculous hypocrisy on cannabis and acknowledging that the people that are lying to you about your health today are the same people that he claims were correct about cannabis and reefer madness style. And I can't fail to point that out. I think it's ridiculous, but nonetheless, he's doing absolutely great work around COVID-19, at least in this context. And he points out in this video that 70% of the people who are dying are vaccinated. I mean, and th this is the point. Now, I'm about to prove to you that this is the case, at least in regard to vaccinated, not necessarily fully. That's 63%. And I'm going to show you this. And this is just in the UK. Now, what we need to realize, the data I'm going to show you anyway, is that this is what is what the data will back up, as he points out in this clip from Israel, from the UK, but also pretty much everywhere else, that they're just aggressively massaging and hiding and flat out lying and deleting information that that shows you that this is what's happening. I recommend you watch this again, watch the full interview. If you want to see the full context, there's a lot of stuff they get into. There's things that are said that I disagree with, and I, just like usual. But this point is important. This is from the, let me just do this real quick so I make sure I don't lose my place. This document right here is the 23rd technical briefing. SARS-CoV-2 variants of concern and variants under investigation. This is from September 17th, Public Health England. Okay. Here's the document. Now you scroll down and you'll see the breakdown. And, we've, and you, you remember this. We've done this exact graph before. Table five, attendance to emergency care and deaths of sequenced and genotyped Delta cases in England by vaccination status, February 1st, September 12th, 2021. Now you're going to find the breakdown of all these different things, Delta cases and so on. Now Delta is the first part, but it gets into just specifically deaths within 28 days of a positive specimen, general. Okay, so this is all we're going to focus on in this part. Now, notice that it says all cases. So this is all the cases that they have with it, that, of deaths within 28 days after being told that they were sick. Between February 1st and September 12th. The total is 2,542. Now, you'll notice at the top, there's a couple of categories. The far right, the far right one is unvaccinated. The one to the left of that is is uh, 14 days post dose two, right? And this is how they remember, this is how they break down the illusion of the vaccinated part of it because they're only counting fully vaccinated in many contexts. We're going to show you the new CDC data, which by the way, they do actually now suddenly include this caveat about the not fully vaccinated, but I'm going to show you why it's still a manipulation. But in this play, in this discussion, you have unvaccinated as one category and you get this, all this broken up. Now, how about we realize that anybody who's gotten an injection 
should be in a category. And anybody who's not gotten an injection should be in another category. Because what's the difference? Whether or not they've gotten something in their arm that could change whether or not it affects the death after that, right? It's not whether just only two doses and then 14 days and then that matters. That's an arbitrary number that they chose because that's what they decided is fully vaccinated. Sort of how they decide where herd immunity or vaccination itself and the definitions, just we're going to change those today because it's advantageous to us. It works for what we're doing. The point here, if we scroll down again and look, unvaccinated number is 722. So out of the 2,542 cases of people who died within 28 days of a positive test, only 722 of them were unvaccinated, meaning none zero vaccinations. Now, if you jump over to the days, 14 days post dose two, which is considered, which by the way, even Alex points out in the, in the discussion, isn't that fully vaccinated? Like, why don't we call that fully? That's fully vaccinated, but it's interesting. They just kind of frame it in a different way, but that is 1,613. So right there alone, just taking unvaccinated versus fully vaccinated. And not including people with one shot or two shots before 13, 14 days, right there, that is 63%. 63% of the cases of people dying after being told they have COVID-19 are people who were fully vaccinated. This should end the discussion. There is no way to make this make sense. I don't care. Look, you can point to hospitalizations, which, by the way, even in this context, you can look and realize that all cases if you really break this down, is not that much different. Six, th this is hospitalization, cases where presentation to emergency care resulted in overnight inpatient admission, specifically overnight. But what you'll notice is 6,303 were unvaccinated. But when you add up all of these, 20, 21 days post-dose one, 21 days post-dose one are under and over, and then over 14, after 14 days post-two, you added 4,634 with 958, 325, and 187. You, it ends up being almost 50-50. Also not what they're pretending is happening. But the point again is deaths. Not that that's all that matters, obviously, because yes, we should consider long-term things and so on, even though we don't know the full picture there because we're not there yet. This shows you an undeniable picture. Now, when you add in the rest of it, to make Alex's point, when you add in the rest of it, when you add in also people who are 21 days post before after their shot or 21 days before their dose one, then you end up with 69.9%. 69.9% of all people who have died from COVID-19 within 28 days of a positive test are fully vaccinated. No one's talking about this except Alex, apparently, on Joe Rogan's show, which means a lot of people are hearing it. Where are all the supposed media personalities, right? They're being told what to say. This is incredible, but this, you know, I'm going to try to follow up on this document as well and go forward with it. But it gets even more interesting when you realize that if you go back to the next one, let me, re let me grab this homepage on this one as well so you can see what this one is. This is number 22, right? The first one was 23. This is going back one week to September 3rd. You'll note it's the same thing. Here's 28 days positive test, 536 unvaccinated, it's right there, and then you combine, and then the just just fully vaccinated is more than double, about double, 1,091. But then you add in the 126, 16, 29, then you realize that it's more than that. But this is week week back. But as of the most current data, it's 63 percent just using fully vaccinated. But here's the main point: I'm showing you this because up until the 23rd report. It's interesting that they were allowing you to see the vax versus unvax breakdown, which is something they almost never do historically. 
And then suddenly, maybe because Alex points it out on Joe Rogan's show, they stopped doing that. Now, what's interesting, by the way, is I note two things here. This says UK Health Security Agency, but this is the same thing. Now, this is the most recent one. Here's number 23, and you'll note that it's Public Health England, but the titles are exactly the same. SARS-CoV-2, Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation of England. SARS-CoV-2, Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation of England, but it's 25th briefing, and suddenly now it says UK Health Security Agency. Hmm. Suddenly now it's a security agency, like national security. It's health, right? So because this is this is their new foreign policy, your body, right? That's what's happening. But nonetheless, just to make this more clear, if you click on these, it's just in case it looks like these might be different things, click on the briefings, says previous briefings, it takes you here. Okay, you can see that. You can see the URL. Okay, go to this one that looks like it's a different thing. Click on the briefings, takes you to the same page. Just so that's clear. We're looking at the exact same page. So something shifted between the 23rd, 24th, and 25th briefings. And oddly, it's shifted to UK security agency. I may, maybe I'm missing something there. Nonetheless, what the main point is, is if you look at this new briefing, guess what you don't find? Vaxxed versus unvaxxed breakdown. I mentioned this briefly on the show the other day, just because I forgot to, I mentioned it off, off, offhandedly, just off the top of my head. But as we continue to scroll for those in the podcast, it's not there. Why would they omit that? As it just began to peak right here, as the obvious heavy hand. Now it's getting crazy. Not just half and half. Now we're going 70%. 70% of people in the, are dying right now are the people fully vaccinated. And then they go, we'll just remove that from the report. <laughs> I wonder why that would be. This is an, a coordinated effort. Not to the point, I mean, look, you, I've continued to point out that there's people involved in this that probably have convinced themselves of doing the right thing. They must know that they're being sinister. You are consciously looking at this and going, okay, well, that's dangerous. So we're going to hide that from people while we're forcing them to be injected, while we're forcing this on children. Think about that. Because you understand if you look at these breakdowns, look at the, uh, in, in general, you could see that you can look through the, I don't want to get too off topic. You could look at the age breakdowns as well. And they're going to force this on children as we're going to make a point about that as we go through. In fact, oh yeah, I forgot. I've got it right there. White House details plans to quickly vaccinate 28 million children age five to 11. Right on, right? Because the FDA said something. No, just the White House is just telling you what's going to happen because politics are driving policy as it always has been. FDA just goes along with the flow, right? Quickly vaccinate 28 million children that are well, well safer than even one in a million risk. 19 and under, one in a million chance of dying, one in a million. On top of that, most of them have natural immunity. On top of that, most people in this country had pre-existing antibody immunity and T-cell me or B memory B, uh, it was T-cell uh, reactivity, if I'm saying that correctly. There was nature and, and nature as well as JCI Insights. That both found peer-reviewed studies that and the, the main one was the majority of adults or just people in general, majority in the country before COVID-19 had shown to have pre-existing antibody reactivity to COVID-19. And a nature study found the same thing in their, un, their uninfected controls. They had T-cell immunity to something that wasn't supposed to happen. They weren't infected, yet they had it. Now, the point is all of this is not being factored in. The fact that they're not at risk, the fact that there are obvious risks here, the fact that more people are currently dying that are vaccinated that are not vaccinated in the UK, and yet they're going to rush into jamming this in children's arms that don't need it, that aren't at risk, that aren't spreading it. 
All of this has been verified. They just don't care. That's why they're hiding data, because there's something really wrong happening here. Now, if you want to understand why that is not working or why people are getting sick and dying, even though they're being told they're safe, because there's a lot being that's out there, even from mainstream media, that's showing you there's a problem here. This is just one angle of the problem. Because I, I, I really hope you'll go back and look at all of our work over the last year and a half, but the there's probably 11 different angles to point out why this is alarming, and that would be a 20-hour show. But here is the one of the main points right now that I think is really important to get in people's minds that are just opening up to this topic. This is from Min. Pfizer vaccine generates fewer antibodies against Delta variant. This is from June 4th. Just to make a point, this is not new information. I'll show you the newer stuff, but this has been around and realized that since this has been found, and this is, by the way, from NIH studies, the NIH and, and others have come out after this and been like, yeah, it works great against Delta. Totally safe and effective, 100% of the time. They knew that's not true. Why? Because here we are with the current data. As of October 7th, it still says decreases your antibodies after the Pfizer injection. So nothing has changed. You can't pretend there's some new study the NIH did. Here's what it says on June 4th. The research shows that after a single dose of Pfizer Biotech, 79% of people had a quantifiable neutralizing antibody response against the original strain. Remember, the original thing, the Wuhan strain, they call it. But this fell to 50% for the very next variant, alpha. Then 32% for delta, which is what they tell you is everywhere right now. By the way, that 32% falls way below the required 50 to keep emergency authorization. So all those 12 to 15-year-olds that are still being forced to take this, they're breaking the law because it doesn't work. It doesn't even meet the required. I don't even, I doubt whether that's even accurate, to be honest, but it says, and 25% for beta strain. Right. So in June 4th, they were telling you basically everything but the original strain, which, by the way, you can look and it's basically the it looks like alpha and delta are the primary strains right now. Again, so we're being told, but even alpha is 50 percent, delta 32, according to the NIH. And they're still forcing this on everybody. That's look, if it was just that and it worked amazingly 50 percent of the time or 32 percent of the time, that would be one thing. We're talking about something that works 50 percent against alpha, 32 percent against delta. Those are what are out there. Then you factor in all the factors that we just discussed for the last year and a half, the dangers that come along with that, the fact that they don't need it, the side effects, the, in, the, the side effects of nanoparticles, side effects of mRNA, the side effects of a zillion different things. How about the spike protein alone that can cause disease according to all the research? Yeah, we don't care about any of that stuff. How about natural immunity, the fact they don't need this to begin with? And if you add that injection, especially if it's that low percentage, it dramatically reduces, increases your risk of antibody-dependent enhancement, according to the infection Journal of Infection, according to the NIH, according to Lancet. But, but fake news, though, right? Because we're all anti-science, as I'm literally citing all the science. July 4th, June 4th, excuse me. It goes on to say, U.S. drug maker Pfizer Inc.'s COVID-19 vaccine generated fewer antibodies against the Delta variant of the novel coronavirus now prevalent in India compared to other variants. So that's the worst one. A significant development as the country plans to include the vaccine in its mass immunization program. Does that make sense? So we're literally going, yeah, it doesn't really work as we're about to force it on people. <laughs> that's how propaganda, I mean, this is incredible that we, this is what we keep showing you, how they keep going forward. They're telling you it's not working. 
The variant, which was found first in India in October 2020, has now spread to 45 countries. The study by the Francis Crick Institute and the National Institute for Health Research, UCLH Biomedical Research Center, published in the medical journal Lancet, also showed the antibody levels decline with increasing age and over time. Right? This has always been there. And they keep trying to point out that, well, natural immunity, we don't know. And yet, but we do know, though. Because the science has been there from the beginning of this and throughout the whole process, from all the places they tell you to look at, most of it peer-reviewed. And all of them are telling you that natural immunity is lasting, durable, robust. And yes, of course, you have some waning of antibodies, but the reality is that the T-cell memory B increases after and while that's happening. And that maintains, possibly for the rest of your life, natural immunity. Which, by the way, I've shown many times, but since I just say that, it's good to back it up with what you're saying. According to Nature, one of the most highly regarded publications for scientific studies back on May 27th, even though Fauci is saying we don't know for sure, you'll probably make antibodies for a lifetime. And yes, that gets into antibodies as well as T-cell and memory B and all we've discussed, we've discussed all of this. But again, here's the now current version. So June, back in June, they say, well, no, this is not working. Now they tell you again, Pfizer reduces your antibodies. It's bad. It hurts. It decreases. It diminishes I don't know how else we can describe this. Again, here's from the Daily Mail, the scientist telling you that this is what he's finding in the lab. But it's all fake news, though, right? So the key message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security uh, antibodies of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. And so we found that that's less for people with two doses. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. I don't know how you can say that any clearer. Two shots, it's lower. Five to six times lower. Even one shot, though, you will have a decrease. You it less. I mean, just how, what do you, how do you say it exactly? Less likely to have. You, you have one shot of this. You are less likely to have neutralizing antibodies. How does that even make sense for a shot that is supposed to give you antibodies? I've never even seen this discussed in the mainstream conversation. Gee, I wonder why. It's just crazy. So take that taken in conjunction with the other clip I always play with the mainstream media about it removing your antibodies and the Red Cross said the same. It's almost impossible to walk away from this pretending that this thing is doing what it's supposed to. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Hmm. It's just wild to me. And then these next few articles back this up as well from, from the Daily Expose or the Expose. I'm actually not sure which way they want to go with that. The main headline says the Expose, but it still says the Daily Expose in some cases. But regardless, a site that you should check out, I think they do a great job. Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine destroys T-cell T-cells and weakens the immune system. This is from August 23rd. Another study from the Francis Crick Institute. Check it out. I mean, I'll let you guys peruse these for yourselves. I want to, I'm, This has been something we've been talking about for quite a long time. Another one from them as well, saying a comparison of official government reports, which they always back up for themselves for you to look at, suggests the fully vaccinated are developing acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. 
exactly what this data seems to back up. And you'll see that this it's the data is here for you to review. All of this leads to the reality that these things are not helping. At the end of the day, what they're doing is removing antibodies that you probably acquired from natural encounters with whatever we're talking about. And on top of that, increasing your susceptibility to God knows what else. And I, we, I mean, I just kind of was half talking about this today. I mean, is it what about the possibility that the injection itself is, you know, th the next step at ultimately keeping you from getting really sick? I mean, the idea that this is just stringing people along is becoming very, very obvious. Now, this is just me theorizing, but we're looking at the reality that this thing is taking stuff. Now, what else is it doing? And what and why and, and why is this such a desperate need to keep these things coming out every three to six months? While we have all the data in front of us that shows it's just not necessary, it can't. I don't know how you can feel it's not sinister or at the very least malicious. Now, on this last segment, the point here. Oh, I, oh, I did. Uh, I did highlight it again. That's right. But that's again why I was late to get started today because I was trying to rush through and re-highlight stuff. So I'm sure I missed things on this today, which is probably the point of why that happens. Is there a, Derek shared this with me, actually, is there a super cold <laughs> in the UK? Health experts spotlight weakened immune systems. Like this is the equivalent of, uh, you know, mystery brain disease in Canada. <laughs> it's like mystery blood clots popping up all over the UK. Gee, I wonder what that's coming from. Maybe the thing that's clearly leading to blood clots and increasing the risk of blood clots and other blood and, and, and heart inflammation. <laughs> it's just it's so funny. And in a macabre, disgusting way, that we're watching them go, yeah, yeah, this is a thing that it can do. And then simultaneously going, gee, what could possibly be causing this exact problem over here? They, I mean, it's a conscious choice to not go, it could be that. But they can't, they're not allowed to do that today. You can't say those things. Now we have a super cold in the UK. Well, don't forget the cold is a coronavirus. This is just almost too ridiculous. Now it says doctors in Britain say people have been increasingly reporting symptoms of a so-called super cold that was reportedly that has reportedly swept the country. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at this, and this is it's all theorizing. But the point is that they will refuse to acknowledge or at least even consider the possibilities of things like I don't know, massive mask wearing, and the fact that that can lead to a a, 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 a what's the right word for it? conjunction, I guess, or just a, a a continual compounding of the problem where people are wearing something, especially in cold weather, that makes that increases very obviously their risk of infection. And since I'm bringing it up, important to grab that one for those that haven't seen it before. Forget where I had that, actually. I should have grabbed this beforehand. I always forget about this. Or maybe I won't grab it. Oh, here it is probably under. Shoot. There it is. I have so many. I, don't, I always forget if you guys can see these tabs and I'm grabbing them. So many of these things. It's crazy to keep track of this stuff. Here we go. Oh, good. Okay. So here is the one that I'm referencing, that I always point out in this context, this is the only random controlled trial in 2015 of cloth masks. Just to cut to the chase, it says very clearly that the moisture retention and reuse of these masks, which everybody's dealing with, and the poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. They simply say, as a precautionary method, these masks should not be recommended. Same, just like we just said before, like the code and optimization. Yeah, we shouldn't be doing this in people, and we do it anyway. I wonder why. But the point is very clearly that this is showing you the rates of all infection outcomes were highest in this cloth mask arm. And then the point is also at the bottom, that penetration of these by particles, like droplets we're talking about, 97%. Yeah, it sure sounds like that's working. And even medical masks were 44%. Not, not surgical, medical, the stuff you buy at Walgreens. They don't work, guys. This is an obvious reality. And I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead to the mask thing I have over here. I don't want to get, I have a thing I'll show at the end from Florida. 
But what do we think? That is it? Is it not possible that the thing that the peer-reviewed science said could increase your risk of infection could be, I don't know, increasing the infections? <laughs> no, fake news. Right, that's the equivalent of that conversation, right? But 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 trust the science, though, right? But not that science, because we don't like what that says. Okay. Well, there's the other possibility as well is that you're seeing things caused by the injection, right? The lowering of the immune system that we just pointed to that also leads to just more general infection. Or how about the fact that we are they're already giving flu shots out in a massive effort, and that has been shown to increase the risk of other infections and COVID uh, coronaviruses in general by 39%. That was a DOD study. The Pentagon did that. And I'm not, I didn't say COVID-19. For all the people, the fact checkers out there, I said the coronaviruses in general. And yes, that was at a time before COVID-19 was supposed to be there. But it said clearly that it can re increase your risk of infection. So why would we be giving the flu shot at a time when people are dealing with infections when it can increase your risk of infection? Because the flu doesn't seem to be that dangerous. On top of that, that can increase the risk of other coronaviruses at a time when we're dealing with a so-called coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, that doesn't seem self-serving at all. Let me keep going. It says health officials have urged people to stay at home and take a coronavirus test. Uh, gee, I wonder if some of them will be told they have coronavirus when they don't with a high false positive rate. Also self-serving. If they are experiencing flu or cold-like symptoms. Oh, oh, good. Flu symptoms too. Right? This is why they combine flu and pneumonia. They tell you they do that including things like cough, runny nose, loss of smell, height, and temperature, all things which happen during the flu. Experts say the circulating virus is unlikely to be a new, st stronger strain of the cold, but is instead likely related to a weakened immune systems following coronavirus lockdown. Isn't that perfect? So they're blaming the lockdown for something that they caused, even though the vaccine, the injection, is also leading to the lowered and weakened immune systems. So they're using something within this narrative that they're blaming on people like us, because we're still in the lockdowns because on vaxxers, right? Of course. For the very thing that they're creating. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. This, it's a the tight circle, closed loop. It just continues within this problem that will never, it's the war on terror in a health version. It never ends because of things they're doing and then pointing to and saying, see, that's why we have to keep going. It's crazy. Immunity to the viruses, and this is where it gets even more ridiculous that they're claiming that this is what it's created. Immunity to the viruses could have waned during the 18 months of restrictions. Okay, so what they're saying, what they mean there is your, your lockdowns caused your immunity to go away. By the way, I'm pretty sure that's not how immunity works at the end of the day. Waning is something, but they just, so, you know, well, they said waning, but the idea that we're just now getting sick because we were on lockdown. Like that doesn't seem to make sense. If you have immunity, like, so are my chicken pox, am I more prone to get chicken pox now because I've been inside for 10 months? doesn't seem to be the case. Why does it work that way for the things that you want it to today? But anyway, the point is that they're saying, well, our lockdowns have hurt you. But don't say it like that. They've removed your immunity and now you're more weak and feeble and you're going to get sick because you've been shoved in a dark room for 18 months if you've been meekly following along with what they want you to do. But it says, so it will be less effective against colds than would be expected normally, according to this professor. So they're admitting that the lockdowns hurt you, cause you to be more susceptible to illness at a time when they're telling you it's all for your health. But don't think too hard on that one because they don't like to circle back and point out how they were wrong to begin with now that they're proving that now. This is what it looks like to lie about everything and get to a point to where you can't step in any direction without stepping on a previous lie. Yeah, they hurt you and it made you more susceptible to the problem we're trying to save you from, but now we're way past that. So keep staying on lockdown because, right, that's where, this is where this goes. It says, this highlights the power of the lockdown. Exactly my point. That's what they just said. Mask wearing, social distancing, and sanitation measures 
introduced in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So not only did it remove your immunity, it made you weaker, more susceptible to this stuff, but they're telling you, see, that's why it works. Why are they saying that? Well, because they're, they're pointing out that they claim that stopped you from getting sick, but it didn't though, because while they were doing this, infection skyrocketed. But don't let the facts get in the way of the good story though. It goes on to say, not only was this very effective in reducing transmission of the coronavirus, not true even remotely, but at the same time, it had the additional benefit of reducing the spread of colds and other common transmissible diseases, which they just admitted, which I don't even necessarily believe is true, but they're claiming made you weaker. Now you're going to go out and have the super cold because you were in your room the whole time. So how does that a positive thing? This is showing you in its own way without, I mean, accidentally, I would argue that the Great Barrington Declaration is the way to go, right? This, it, and that doesn't mean forcing people to get sick. It means dealing with this thing naturally and, let, and protecting people and at-risk populations and letting people make their own choices. <gasps> God forbid freedom in a place where screaming freedom all the time. I know it's crazy. This is ridiculous. They're blaming what they want to blame. They're blaming their own actions for why you're getting sicker, but then simultaneously saying, but it works though, so we're going to keep doing it. This will lead you into an area where you have no protection from anything, if you trust what they're saying. Just get your injections though, because you don't need your natural immune system. Do you see that between the lines? This is the technocratic great reset transhumanist future. Your humanity is the problem here. Don't worry about the immune system and your sickly, problematic body. We're going to drive in a direction where we have injections for you that will keep you safe. That's where this is all going. Now, bringing this over into the CDC discussion, there's some things that they say in here that are very much worth comment, commenting on that will probably make you upset. But it, it's, this is right in line with what we just showed you. So do not forget the con what we talked about in the beginning here. The 63% or 70% when including all individual shots are people who are dying that are un, that are fully or that are vaccinated, to make it clear. Vaccinated versus 722 that are unvaccinated. And the antibody issue, removing your antibodies. All of the stuff that are showing you that your immune systems are actually being weakened. Okay, so let's get into here what they have to say as they triple, quadruple down on the pandemic of the unvaccinated. By vaccination status. Here you can see some of the data that we are now posting to COVID data tracker. In August, as we were experiencing the peak of the Delta surge, 16 jurisdictions provided data on cases and deaths stratified by vaccination status. Okay, so 16. Woo, that's crazy, right? Meanwhile, we have people that are collecting data from all over the country, but they went out and just talked to 16, not states, jurisdictions. So I wonder if that was selectively chosen. I wonder if this is p-hacking, if you remember what that is, right? The, the way basically you have a full plate of data and you keep throwing it up in the air and letting it fall in a way until it looks like what you want it to look like. And occasionally shoving them some off the table so you don't include those ones, not those ones. We'll end up with just these 16 jurisdictions that work just like we want them to. That is selective. That's cherry picking, right? Regardless, you can't tell me that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated when you carefully choose specific jurisdictions that you want. If you want to do this the right way, then do it the right way and take the data from all the states that are reporting them. You know why they don't do that? Because they're going to because all the places like Florida are places are going to give you data that they pretend is only because Republicans. But at the end of the day, it's true. We're seeing the data that contrasts what they're saying, not just from Florida and the United, States, the United States, but places outside of this country, like the UK, like Scotland, like Iceland, like all the places we keep pointing out, Israel, that are showing you what we're saying. That's why they don't do that. 
So 16 jurisdictions right out of the gate is ridiculous to pretend that shows you the full picture because you know what's happening with this? The media runs with this as the fact. See, they proved it. It's all unvaccinated. You're all crazy. That's what the takeaway is, even though they just told you it is a selective small grouping of places that they chose and you don't really get to see which, where, or how. I'll show you that in a second. But let's just trust the CDC because they never lied, right? Unvaccinated people had 6.1 times greater risk of testing positive for COVID-19, shown on the left, and 11.3 times greater risk of dying from COVID-19, shown on the right, when compared to those who are fully vaccinated, shown by the light blue line at the bottom. As you've heard me say before, vaccination prevents hospitalizations due to COVID-19. On COVID Data Tracker, we are also displaying the age-adjusted rates of COVID-19-associated hospitalizations by vaccination status in adults over the age of 18. For the week ending August 28, 2021, the hospitalization rate in fully vaccinated people was 4.5 per 100,000, shown by the green line, while the hospitalization rate in unvaccinated people was 83.6 per 100,000, now, there's a point to be made here, and I'm going to get into the breakdown of the unvaccinated versus fully vaccinated, because the first thing I thought was what you might expect. Well, of course, there's your breakdown, and that's the, that's omitting the partially. But I, I did my due diligence, as I will always do, and it shows in their caveats or little footnotes that there, well, we, we omitted those ones. And that in and of itself is dishonest. And I, I'll get into more of that in one second. But the point here is interesting to me that... You know, we see this spike we're claiming of unvaccinated people. But the, the timing of this is very interesting. We're looking at seven, like th th this does not add up with what we're being told about the Delta variant, about everything else, about natural immunity. It just doesn't make sense. So I, and on top of that, we're looking at the green line and realize that that's supposed to be the fully vaccinated, but recognize that there are states in or jurisdictions out there that they're taking data from that are not categorizing it this way. The CDC may be doing that, but there are places out there, and this is one of the points we keep making. There's no coordination to how they organize, report this stuff, breakthrough cases. They're each doing their own thing. And that is a guaranteed way to make sure that this doesn't really connect and they can pick and choose how they want, like 16 jurisdictions as they choose. But realize that some of these places that are giving it to them, maybe they're counting people as unvaccinated who have one shot. I can promise you that's happening all over the place. The question is whether or not they included that in the data and were discerning enough to say, well, we'll kick that one out or include it because, well, they said it was unvaccinated. So we'll take it at face value. Sort of the way the government listens to the CDC, like they admitted to you at the White House briefing without due diligence, because that seems like it makes sense. Shown by the blue line, an 18.5 fold increase in hospitalizations for those who are unvaccinated. For all age groups, the COVID-19 associated hospitalization rate is markedly higher in those who are unvaccinated. Okay. So this is the claim, obviously. And this is what they've been saying. There's nothing new and original here. They just keep tossing up and playing Jenga with the, or uh, uh, Yahtzee with the numbers and just hoping, you know, it adds up in a way that makes it look like they want it to. Well, let's look at, when we look at the actual information, the first point to be made here is that they are, and let's just skip right to the bottom and show you what I was talking about. So there's all, all these footnotes, which probably plenty of people skipped right over and assumed like, you know, that was my first thought. If it's unvaccinated, fully vaccinated, well, there you go. They're leaving out the things. This is why I almost think they did this on purpose because they think, you know, people who aren't doing their due diligence are going to skip right over it and look and be wrong. 
Like they're, I, they're always trying to trip people up. They have a very low opinion of what people like myself do. I argue a lot of us, most of us are, are doing their best and being doing their due diligence. And they just don't realize that they don't understand that there are people smart enough to, to think beyond their childish games. But here's what it says. Vaccination status, a fully vaccinated person. For some reason you can't, this is like a, this whole thing is like a, uh, you can't highlight it. It's like a PDF. It's odd to me. A fully vaccinated person had SARS-CoV-2 RNA or antigen detected on a respiratory specimen collected 14 days after completing the primary series of an FDA-authorized or approved COVID-19 injection. An unvaccinated person had the, the, the SARS antigen, uh, SARS RNA or antigen detected on a respiratory specimen and has not been verified to have received COVID-19 vaccine. People who were partially vaccinated were excluded. Partially vaccinated persons received one FDA authorized vaccine dose, but did not complete a primary series 14 days before collection of the specimen. Now, one thing I'll point out, you know what they didn't list? And they were very specific right there. People who got two shots. And and before 14 days after that doesn't seem to make sense in there because they clearly say people who were partially were excluded, but then they go on to say partially people, partially, partially vaccinated persons received one and didn't complete it. So what about the people who got two and hadn't gone past 14 days? It seems odd that that would be kicked back to unvaccinated, but I just want to point that out. They didn't seem to list that there. Regardless of that, I think the main point is you can't omit the people, the huge portion of people that have one shot. You, I mean, of course that's going to change this. Now, look, you could take this. I wouldn't take this as face value for anything because they're picking and choosing. What you're looking at now is cases. Here's the deaths. That's basically the same breakdown for them. What you're looking at is they're very, very selectively chosen 16 jurisdictions from around the country. So I don't know how in the world you could take this as any kind of real representation of what the entire country is going through, especially because there's plenty of states like the like the Floridas of the world that are not adding up with what they want you to see. So they just don't look at it. But let's just take pretending for the sake of conversation that this data is completely accurate and it does represent the whole country. When you were, if you were to add in the huge portion of people that have one shot, never went back, had two shots and didn't, you know, what the timing there, that's a gigantic portion of people that likely have problems. Now, maybe, maybe they're just in line with the fully vaccinated. Maybe they're not. Maybe that's where all the problems are happening. And when you pull that out, it changes the picture. Because if you were to include that, of course, it would be included with, basically, this would be vac unvaccinated versus vaccinated. That's how it should be. One or two. And this blue line would suddenly look a lot higher. That'd be my opinion. So either way, this is manipulative from top to bottom. And that's what they've been doing the whole time. I don't know why we would trust what they're saying in this when they got caught using data from a wrong part of the year to represent today. Say, well, look, look, they're all unvaccinated. Well, yeah, because you took it from a time when everybody was unvaccinated. That's deceptive. That's dishonest. That's willfully dishonest. Or hiding all the breakthrough cases, which is something that I've, I've talked about many times, which is here's that I just showed you from Washington. 55, this is showing you at a glance, 55,518 breakthrough cases in, oh, excuse me. Yeah, it was Washington in Seattle. Was it, I guess just Washington in general. Yet the CDC wants you to believe that there's only 31,000 because they quietly say that, but they're only talking about hospitalizations and deaths. But people represent that as the total. And Bloomberg pointed out that there were over 111,000 they found from states that the CDC didn't even want to talk to. Right? They're lying. They're hiding the breadth of the data like this.
in ways that they've been doing from the beginning. So we shouldn't look at this and be like, there it is. But that's what people do. You're omitting half, at least a portion of the data. And you're selectively choosing the locations. I mean, nobody anywhere in a scientific mind would accept this as a valid study. Try to peer review something like that when you're picking and choosing the locations and hiding half the data. Maybe in today's clown world it would happen while they, while the editors retract studies that are perfectly done and peer-reviewed. But jumping over to the hospitalization, same point. Oh, wait, actually, I'm sorry. I had some points I wanted to read there that were highlighted. So this is what it says at the top. Under rates of COVID-19 cases and deaths and vaccination status, since vaccines are not 100% effective at preventing infection, some people who are fully vaccinated will still get COVID-19. Those are known as breakthrough cases. Yeah, except that's not just what's happening. People are dying. And in the UK, it's 63%, 69% of people who are vaccinated. 69% of the people who are dying after 28 days of a positive test are people who are vaccinated. There's no way to factor that in, but they want that sentence to sound like it's super rare and uncommon. CDC is leading multiple studies, they say, that robustly monitor effectiveness. Right? Because that's all they we want. We're monitoring whether we think it's working the way we want it to, but we're ignoring all the other part of it. And here's what they say. CDC is also working with a number of jurisdictions. I guess we'll just maybe two, maybe three, maybe 16 to monitor vaccine breakthrough cases over time. That sound like they care about the side effects. They care about the breakthrough cases. They care about what's happening. They would be monitoring all of them, right? So if they're just picking and choosing specific jurisdictions and monitoring them over time and not reporting to you the full body of these, that's hiding what's happening from you. This page displays rates of cases and deaths among fully vaccinated and unvaccinated people reported from CDC from multiple jurisdictions. Now, going over to the hospitalization, it says a network of over 250 acute care hospitals in 14 states. Okay, so totally not even close to the full picture. Fantastic. Additional data on vaccination status for individual cases are collected in 13 of 14 of those states. Cool. Do, I wonder, does it, which ones? Right. Which which locations are they Republican or the Democrat? Like these, these things matter to people's perceptions today. And even though I would point out the two party illusion is the reality, people within this, it changes their decisions. So it matters in this context. But how are you going to report this as a pandemic of the unvaccinated in your reports like this when you come out and show people the reality when you realize it's not even half of the country? And these are probably states and their positions that are working and are completely in line with what they're doing. Hospitals have already been caught lying about the total numbers of cases, the total number of hospitalizations, the total number of people on ventilators, the total number of people who died from COVID, on and on and on. But we're going to take this at face value from the, the state specific locations they chose within the states they chose. All the actual data that's not done independent of the CDC and the FDA is showing you the opposite. But it's the same point coming down here to the bottom, fully vaccinated population of COVID-19 associated hospitalizations among persons with a positive test collected 14 days after either the second dose or two doses of the vaccine. Same point. Unvaccinated is basically people population based rates of COVID-19 associated hospitalizations among people with positive COVID-19 tests who have record, uh, no record of receiving any vaccine, any vaccine. Right? They, they just omit that middle part. That's not valid. A lot of people are having one shot and then immediately, a day later, two days later, a week later, going to the hospital problems and some of them never leaving. That doesn't get counted, apparently. How does that make sense? You know, some of them are having one shot and going to the hospital. We've already proven that. 
they have admitted that. So why is that not included in the breakdown of hospitalizations? Doesn't that seem a little manipulative? Because it is. Now, on top of that, remember this point. This is from the St. Louis County Cares. It was posted on a lot of different government websites that were then quickly removed after we talked about it. But I archived one of them, as I've said many times, and I just use it as a point to reference this. Because remember, Israel right now is admitting this in real time. Additionally, after three months, this is their definition of a fully vaccinated person. And it's the same as before, right? 14 days after your second dose and so on, right? But then it says, additionally, after three months from your last dose, you're then also considered to not be fully vaccinated. Israel's already admitting this. They are pulling your green pass if you are no if you don't have your third booster. And they've already told you it's going to be fourth and fifth and it's going to go forward. Australia's admitting that too. It's going to be a booster every so many months. This is your new reality, your new normal. Sure glad you complied, aren't you? But thinking about this context, you realize that there's a, a window here. The after the three months, or how about after six months? Even the United States government is admitting that after six months, you need a booster. Okay. So if they put this down on their websites, are we going to wonder whether that's factoring in on this discussion? What about all the people that got injected between January and April 2021? They're now past that mark, depending on three or six months. So are they then considered no longer fully vaccinated? Nobody has an answer for that, despite the fact that your government in multiple locations stated very clearly that that was the case. I can almost promise you, this is my opinion that this is playing a factor on these numbers, that there's a huge portion of these people that are after a certain period that they categorize as no longer vaccinated. Just a thought. But if you're wondering whether they would be capable of this, <laughs> if you're wondering that, then you haven't been paying attention because they're literally doing it in real time constantly. Now, I also want to point out again this point that was just shared by Kim Iverson, that they're stating here on the OSHA website, this is the OSHA website in regard the Occupational Safety and Health Administration that, by the way, is in the process of giving, doling out some kind of unjust, illegal guidance on whether or not they're going to enforce the mandates, which Biden seemingly hasn't really done in regard to the 100 people uh, in regard to businesses, right? But here's what it says on their website. OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage people to get injections. They go on to say, well, we don't want to disincentivize anybody. And as a result of that, OSHA will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirements. So a law that requires any employer to record worker side effects from the injections. They're going to not do that all the way through May 22, 2022, and then just decide what they're going to do next. So they're going to hide what people are dealing with so they don't disincent. They, that, that's hiding the truth because what they think it, the truth will create vaccine hesitancy, even if that truth is people having severe side effects. That's written down in plain sight. We're not going to tell you about it because you might not get it. That's incredible. Now think about this in that same context. What about a person has these shots and then has some serious problem, but they don't say anything about it? How about, how about you want to realize that gets left off these little graphs too? You're, this whole thing is being, is being carefully controlled from a thousand different angles. Here's the high wire pointing out this exactly one of the, one of the many points we could rattle off for the next seven hours that will continually show you what they're saying on those briefings are insulting to your intelligence. The high wire points out in this study, vaccinated people also had a higher risk of symptomatic infection and a 6.7 fold higher chance of being hospitalized. We've already covered this study. 
6.7 times higher chance of being hospitalized. How is it possible that the study can show you that you have a almost sevenfold higher chance of going to the hospital if you're fully vaccinated, yet they can rattle off over there that the exact diametric opposite based on specific locations from specific jurisdictions that they told you make sense and that you don't really get to see the full picture. But here's a study. Here's the Forbes article covering that exact data. The headline being prior COVID infection is as effective as preventing the virus as vaccination. How about it's way more effective because the injection seems to remove your antibodies and lower your immune system. Because in the study, they take at face value what they claim the vaccination does, and then they look into natural infection, right? So when you realize that the claims about those injections are wildly false, you realize natural infection or natural immunity in any sense is way better than what they're talking about, and they're trying to hide that from you. It's another UK study. But when you dig into the data, you'll find out exactly the things we've already told you, that you are at more risk. They're just hiding it from you guys. On top of that, RFK Jr. points out that vaccine makers, Pfizer and Moderna, are projected to generate combined sales of $93.2 billion in 2022. For those of you that might be asking, why would they do this? Nearly twice the amount they're expected to rake in this year. You know, just a small little doubling of their, their profits. You know, no big deal. That's outrageous. Especially since they're the ones that have been caught lying more times than we can count. And they're now telling you what you're supposed to be thinking, hiding data, manipulating results, just like they always have been. And they're set to make record profits, double their profits. It's way more than just profit. But if you ask yourself why they might be trying to manipulate how it looks, if you don't think that their sales mean something to them, in fact, it means more than anything, then you don't understand how businesses work. Do you really believe Pfizer would put your health above their profits? Or, I mean, like if you, if you, if you're thinking about that in the context of like killing you or making money, I would still argue they'd make money and not worry about killing you. Like they've already been caught for doing with things that are very dangerous many times before, but how about you make it a little less severe? I just realized that, well, if they can lean into being a little dishonest right here and make a few more billion dollars, do you not think they would do that? They're not in the business of making you safe. They're in the business of making money. The way that they're framing these companies as some kind of altruistic, you know, philanthropic kind of entity is absurd. This is how child, this is how ignorant they think we are. And those that are walking away thinking Pfizer and Moderna are out there for you, maybe you are. Time to wake up. This is happening right now. Daily Mail points out natural immunity is just as good as being jabbed. In fact, it's better when you look at the actual data. Official figures show that unvaccinated Britons who beat COVID enjoy same protection against Delta as those who are double-dosed, except the double-dose comes along with all sorts of neck, all very clear side effects they've admitted to. Maybe you can even argue rare, uncommon, but it still comes along with more risk. Then they're going to go long COVID, but we can't do that because we're not there yet. But they're just so desperate to claim anything they can. We don't know. It could cause that. Well, you know what? We also don't know whether the benefits outweigh the risks because we're not there yet. But we keep screaming those things. Now, well, here's a fun, here's something interesting. If you, I, I, I've showed this many times before, but Daily Mail is a very large outlet. And if you search for the exact title of anything they do, it typically pops right up. But guess what? You're, I'm not surprised to find. And you, as you guys know, I typically do this so because these Daily Mail articles will shoot you back to the homepage without being able to go back to what this is, and I'll forget what it is. So I often get the title like this and look for it so I can have the link and go to it. But at this time, I searched nothing. How strange. 
Now, maybe it'll pop up now. Actually, it ha that, let's do that. It happened one time while we were live. Let's see if it's different now. Nope. Same thing. Isn't that interesting? I mean, there's not even a Daily Mail even, you know. Oh, down here. Okay, this did pop up now further down. This wasn't there before. You, you know, trust me. <laughs> you should never trust people say that. But nonetheless, how is it way down here? Well, well let's, let, just for sake of conversation, let's see what they put up in front of that. Herd immunity is mythical with COVID Delta variant. Del Despite Delta, severe COVID is much rarer among... Gee, I wonder why they want you reading all these things. Telling you that their thing is better. I wonder why that isn't put in front of it. Now, the point was, and you can see this before I refresh everything, you can even search with Daily Mail in the title. Nope. I mean, let me see if it popped up down here. And you see, this is the one I'm showing you from before, before I refreshed it. It's not even down here. But I bet you now if we refresh it, let's see if it changed. Nope. Not even there on that one with the Daily Mail included. This is September 6th. Now, this is an update. It seems similar. In any case, you saw what it was before. But nonetheless, the point was you, I had to go here to search this out on their website to find the exact article. You just, we have to realize, and you guys all know this, by the way, so it's nothing new to you, but Google and all these platforms are openly, it's not a secret, they're openly manipulating the search results under what they have decided is the best thing, the smartest thing, the right information. They're not even hiding that anymore. Remember when that was a fake news story? They're doing this on the surface. That's how far the goalposts has moved. They are jamming this thing down the road. This is stepping in the, in the direction of their controlled future. Now, as Slow News, Day's, uh, Slow News Day points out, well, actually, let me read the tweet that he's referencing first. This is the Daily Mail saying, recovering from COVID offers as good a protection as jabs. This is the same article. And what I said is, oh, so I guess we've now reached what I told you was coming. That expected moment when they grudgingly admit what we have been saying about natural immunity for months and being openly censored for. This will all still lead to immunity passports, which I believe was likely the plan. Because how in the world can you pretend that natural immunity doesn't exist after you start out by saying natural immunity exists? Do you realize how stupid that is? They were talking about this on, on congressional panels, and now they're acting like it's a myth? There's, there's mainstream articles writing it about the myth of the, this weird conspiracy theory on the conservative side. It's, it's the same as horse paste. We, were in a, we broke ourselves, just like YouTube did. It's ridiculous. But I believe this was the plan to roll this in and say, well, now we, I guess we now prove it with this new study. Nope, it's always been there. And now they're going to say, well, okay, now you can, you can write down, you can prove your natural immunity and you can use your passport. No, screw that. I don't have to prove anything to you. My health and my body are my responsibility. You don't get to invade that, like you've invaded other countries. But they're trying to right now. This was the plan, I believe. Now I've talked to, oh, uh, before I go forward, let's, uh, what Slow News Day say, what Slow News Day said, this report drops the same day, the same day, the, the Daily Mail article, as Reuters releases an investigative piece on just how difficult compensation from vaccine injuries is. Right, so now they're admitting what we've been telling you that it's not just difficult, it's near impossible. And don't forget, we just referenced and made fun of that ridiculous writer who said, yeah, the, the vaccine court pays out like crazy. <laughs> These people are such liars. They're telling, of course, it, it almost never pays out, including the unprecedented protections offered jab makers in the PrEP Act. Coincidence is what you get when you apply bad theory, bad theory, excuse me. Yeah, right, exactly. This is all coming to a very controlled end game. Now, here is where I talk about the complete, the complete breakdown of science, mainstream media, and the COVID narrative around the topic of natural immunity. This was on August 29th. Now, I've been digging into this natural immunity topic for a long time, probably 
beginning, I mean, long before even that, but regardless, dig back through the archives. But this is a good one that goes over most of the studies. Just if you want to hear my overview on the absurdity of how they're hiding this from you, from the Lancet, from the WHO, from Science, from Science Magazine, from all of them, while they go, we don't know for sure. It's silly. But here is Saskatchewan Health Authority from Canada. You're never going to believe what they're saying. They say, well, for, just for sake of continuity, let's read what the first thing they said is, COVID vaccine helps protect you from getting sick with the disease. Even if you're young, healthy, and fit, the vaccine will give your body a layer of protection that it didn't have. That's not true, actually. Very, very not true, in my opinion, especially since the data is showing that you have one in a million chance of dying, that they're not at risk from this in every possible way, that they actually, most of them have natural immunity, whether or not they ever got sick. And then that can lead to an increased risk, that they have an increased risk of myocarditis that they don't get from just being there, that they do catch COVID-19, if you believe that's what's happening, then they might have a slim chance of getting it. But the point is that this increases their risk right away when they get the injection of myocarditis to a dramatic degree, which then increases your risk of, it increases your mortality between 25 and 56% over the next 10 years. That is science from the NIH that we've talked about. That's a non-serious case of myocarditis. That's just one angle here. Like I keep saying, there's a million angles we could go into. So to act like these children that don't need this thing should get it because it adds protection to something they're not going to be at risk from is crazy town. But here's what they, they dig in with. Your risk from COVID-19 is not determined, they say. The health authority is not determined by age, your fitness level, or community. Great. So the... Disease that we've the, the the most obviously age associated disease I've ever seen, Very, like aggressively slanted to over seventy with multiple comorbidities, and pretty much everyone else is dramatically less than the flu, is apparently not determined by your age. Okay, that's ridiculously false. Your fitness level. Okay, so how fit you are and how healthy you are, apparently according to the Saskatchewan Health Authority, has no bearing on the risk from COVID nineteen. Absolutely false. Or your community which I guess you could take in a lot of different ways, whether your community is, I guess, safe or sanitary. I don't know. I bet you they're leaning into, I don't know what their restrictions, I guess. Apparently that doesn't even matter. Nope, it all matters about the vaccine. That's it. The only thing that matters, this is the same point that I was making. Don't worry about keeping yourself healthy and all those nonsensical old things we used to talk about. Now it's just about, did you get your injections? You got your pills, right? Are you, are you taking the NIH prescribed daily medicines? Oh, good. Then you're good. Then you're, then you're healthy. Right? This is what it's talking about. Your risk is determined by vaccine status. That is so aggressively wrong, it makes my teeth hurt. 78% of all new cases and hospitalizations in Saskatchewan in September were unvaccinated or partially vaccinated people. How much you want to bet that partially? I, I don't want to assume. But it's interesting that they lump that in with the unvaccinated. Like we keep telling you, by the way, that's deception. And we're talking about new cases, by the way. How about when you realize that, well, they say and hospitalizations, but it, why don't they talk about deaths? probably because this is what you're seeing everywhere, that it's predominantly in the injected. But they just don't want you to see that. I can't even believe they can say this. This, this, uh, I, uh, yeah, as I said here, this is what dangerous medical misinformation actually looks like. All those things they dismiss as not related to your overall, overall risk are in fact the most important factors to, in, to, to regarding, dang it, regarding any illness. Mo but of course, they would prefer you ignore your health and just take the injection for your health, right? Who cares about your fitness? But it's all about health, though. I just can't even wrap my mind around people are still buying this stuff. It blows me away. These are your health authorities.
these people should, this is, I mean, I almost want to say this is a crime. Like you guys are representing as you care about everyone's health while driving them in a direction that puts them at risk while telling them, don't worry about all the things that historically and in a general sense always actually lead to your health. Unreal. Now, here's another part. Speaking of misinformation coming from authorities, right? As they're telling you that don't worry about all those healthy things. Well, if you believe still, because you're so crazy that vitamin D and things like that would improve your immune system or, you know, the things that Fauci used to tell you were actually, oh, I, I believe I did have that somewhere. I remember where I put that. Uh, let's see if I can grab that really quickly. Was it this one? Let's see. So things are clearly bad. Nope, not that one. This one. To prevent getting an infectious disease and having to have you as my doctor is what? Um, wearing a mask. No, um, no, no. I don't need to do that. <laughs> you, um, if somebody's, I can see they're getting ready to sneeze or cough, you, walk away. You avoid all the paranoid aspects and okay. do something positive. A, good diet. B, you don't smoke, I know. I know you don't drink, at least not very much, so that's pretty good. Get some exercise. I know that you don't get as much exercise as yes, you should. That's correct. Get good sleep. I think that the normal, low-tech, healthy things okay. are the best thing that you can do, David, is stay All healthy. All right. Oh, well, look at that. Well, apparently, apparently Saskatchewan Health Authority is calling Fauci an anti-science fake news conspiracy theorist, right? Because he just said... Your your fit basically your fitness level, like making sure. And and then he, by the way, don't forget that he also said during COVID nineteen, at least in the beginning, that well, you don't forget about all those paranoid things like wearing masks and distancing. That's all paranoid. Just do the normal stuff. So he he either has radically changed his entire health worldview over the process of politics and COVID nineteen, or he lied to you one way or the other. I'll let you decide. Regardless, that's what he would tell you. But they're going to go nah. Just take the injection. Who cares about the other stuff? Right. So, again, uh, speaking about hiding those things, telling you don't do the healthy stuff. If you think those crazy things that Fauci was telling you back then is now saying the opposite. Here's what's going to happen to you. Maybe we're talking about things like covid reeducation camps. The third point is for the small number of people um, who do not comply by the deadline. The first step is a period of education and counseling. It's important to remember that this is a process. and. The point here is to get people vaccinated, not to not to punish them. So agencies will not be removing employees from federal service until after they've gone through a process of education and counseling. Okay, so it's look, just before we hear the next part, it's absurd the way they try to pretend like that's so what they just said is we're gonna still remove them, even though they didn't say that, but they did it without saying it, right? They're, so we're gonna we're gonna counsel them and, and educate them. And then if they don't do it still, well, then they're going to be fired. That's that's the left unsaid part that he just made clear, right? It's a process. First, we do that. And then we do uh, move to the next point, right? Because the next point is, well, we're not going to allow this to disrupt what you guys need. Well, yeah, you really are if you're still planning on firing them if they don't do what you know they're not going to do. Because you understand. And Do you still feel like you have a choice? Right. So these are people that have said no like 11 times. Well, now we're going to send them to re-education. We're going to give them counseling, even though they've made their own educated choice because they don't want to believe that. Oh, it's a bunch of fringe Republicans in their basements that don't listen to the news and they're anti-science. We're going to educate them on how to think properly. This is terrifying. Like if you guys think that the whole Uyghur camp thing in China is concerning, this is, I mean, I'm not, you can, people can call that sensationalizing it. They're actually talking about taking people who have made their own conscious medical decision against the, what they're telling you, while everyone in the world fully knows their stance. Nobody anywhere is unaware of what they think the facts are. What do you think they're going to give you in this education? 
the facts they think is they're going to tell you what they think is happening and yell and forcefully tell you why they think that's happening. We all know what they're saying. We don't agree with it. We, in fact, have all the data and the facts that back up why they're, in fact, lying to you. But it doesn't matter. You can say no 100,000 times. They're going to come at you with their education and counseling. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job, which is what they're going to do anyway. This is really, I mean, there's been a lot of things along this process that are concerning and like openly concerning, you know, whatever, quarantine camps. This, but this is a subtle one that like made my hair stand on end. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're saying in a very calm way, they're going to give you counseling and education if you say no to a medical intervention that they're forcing on their employees. I don't know why that wouldn't creep people out. But listen to what he says next as he tries to pretend as he doesn't really say that they're going to fire them, how the continual act. So all he's saying different is we're going to insert forceful education to people that say no. And then if they don't do that, we're going to fire them. And now pretends like they aren't going to fire anybody. And just like federal agencies, contractors will follow standard processes for accommodations and enforcement among their employees. So, Oh, I want to make another quick point. Sorry, don't let it go after this. And somebody just pointed out. Right now, there are people that are, are pretending, telling their employees they can fill out a religious exemption, letting them fill them out, and then entirely, from top to bottom, not a single one, they're refusing them. The Top to bottom. All right? We already have somebody who was told that they have a, they, they claimed a religious exemption, and then they were told it wasn't sincerely held. How can you possibly be in a position where your government is telling you, we don't believe that you believe in that God? So now we're going to tell you, you have to take this injection that also in another way violates your religious beliefs. Like it's just absurd and wildly illegal, but because they've decided it's the moral right thing to do to force us on people, even though that's the backward reality, they're going to do it anyway. Laws don't matter when they're morally correct. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. So when businesses are, are acting like they're giving you these religious exemption possibilities and then refusing all of them. That's not, that's just one more of many crimes that is easy to prove and they need to be held accountable for. It's coming, guys. There are people coming for them in regard to legal avenues. Now, here we go. I'll let it play out. But the bottom line is this the requirements for federal workers and contractors will not cause disruptions to government services that people depend on. Agencies have the flexibility necessary to enforce the mandate without impacting critical operations. And we all know, as we've talked about over and over again, getting more people vaccinated and vaccination requirements are very effective tools will accelerate the path out of the pandemic. Oh, gee, you don't say. Forcing people to be injected increases vaccination. That's shocking. <laughs> it's like, he says that more than once in this. We all know that mandates work. Yeah, you're, you mean forcing people to do something makes them do it? <laughs> well, that's shocking. It's they're just these people are authoritarians, just barely. I mean, look, I've already these are authoritarians on their sleeve. That's they, they are coming out and going, We're forcing you to do this because we want to do it. We think this is right. We don't care what you think. And if you disagree with us, then we're going to force you into these things and give you counseling and education, right? Just because they don't tell you where, wh where is it going to happen? Are they going to come to your home? Well, that's scary. Are you going to have to do it in a room at your office and come into there and get counseling? Well, is that not a re education camp? You can call it, call it a re education room. I don't care what you call it, it's the same damn thing. They're going to try to convince you that you're wrong and force you to think what they want you to think. How is this what we believe this country is? And now, how are you going to pretend that it's not going to affect the... Nah, it won't affect us. It won't affect what you want. Because people are concerned because right now we're seeing aggressive labor shortages. 
I was actually just speaking with somebody that I might end up possibly having an interview with. So I don't want to say where he's from, but this person holds a very high position at a very large company who's telling me right now that they're barely meeting 70% of what they're trying to do because of labor shortages. That 20 and 90 to 100 being the normal, that 20% drop is gigantic. And you know who's taking the brunt? All the small businesses. That's probably not by accident. Regardless, his feeling is that it's almost predominantly labor shortages that have really nothing to do with the availability of the product. And that, it, that labor shortages have been driven from the very beginning, from the lockdown, from the mass mandates, from the vaccine mandates. You're driving people away from the labor and then pretending there's a labor shortage, which then you point to to justify revamping and reimagining the entire infrastructure. That is obscene and wrong and dishonest. But he's telling you, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fire people, though, as we have a shortage in specific federal locations and federal things that you desperately need. But we're going to pretend like that's not going to happen because we're going to give them re-education. And then fire them when they keep to their guns, which they probably will. But we, which, we won't verbalize that and act like that. But he also says the flexibility. So are you actually admitting right there that you're going to allow them to not fire them? Should that be a problem for them? And how does that make sense? There is nothing sacred here, guys. They will do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And that's also why they're not doing what they're supposed to in, con in any How many times do we need to catch these people at their parties, right? At their, you know, celebrating their football game or going to some, some wine dinner in Napa Valley or on and on and on and going, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. And they do it again. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know what I was thinking. Or you see AOC walking around with the mask people serving them everywhere, but they aren't doing it. What about all the G, all the all the uh, G7 or the um, G20 people standing next to each other, hugging each other, jumping together? But then they get the one picture where they're all masked up. It's an illusion. And if you don't want to see it, well, if you don't see it right now with what we're showing you, that's a conscious choice, in my opinion. Now, going over to the forced aspect of this, because that's what's continued to happen. This is from Bloomberg. New York City will mandate all, all public employees be vaccinated against COVID-19 with no alternative such as regular testing. This is a huge step, which, by the way, like I said, they're already doing, pretending they're not. Yeah, sure, you could do religious exemption, but we're going to refuse all of them because they gave them that ability. That wasn't by accident. New York City. It's going to force every public employee to be injected without any regular testing. Do you not think that's going to affect the already problematic labor shortage? How about, how about this ends up adding another 10%, 20%, 50% of people that leave? We're already in a dramatic position. This is not by accident. This is being driven forward for multiple agendas. One being they just want, they're obviously forcing some people, but they're creating the problem then gets pointed to to justify why we need to change everything. It's been happening from the very beginning. And, and this is what we're talking about. Now, this is a point in regard to how ridiculous it is that these scientists, but these there are people in every walks of, all walks of life, all sides of their fake two-party paradigm, and people that realize it's all illusions, everywhere, people are pushing back against this. They're leaving 40% of this, 50% of that, 30% of these, leaving, not taking it. This is why we need to talk about the counter societies. These, there's a lot of people out there. They need all of us to function their society. They desperately do. And that's why they're so desperate to make this happen. Dozens of top nuclear scientists with highest security clearances are being fired from Los Alamos lab after the vax mandate. Scientists, nuclear scientists, right? And I said, is this what trusting the science looks like? I guess they were all just in that category of anti-science conspiracy theorist nuclear scientists. Of course, you know, because we all know that's there. 
It's just, I'm make, obviously making a joke, but it's just stupid. You can't just mean the old Matthew science fringe as you fire nuclear scientists who clearly are smarter than you. Unreal. And on a little bit of a positive note, or I mean a good positive note, but the, under a, a mountain of bad news, Southwest Airlines, according to Ben Swan, I hope you will check out his new website and our, and our previous interview we just had with him, which was really interesting. Southwest Airlines has now backed off the vaccine mandate. I'll play you the interesting, the opening clip here, and you can see his breakdown. Hopefully, you'll watch the full video. Breaking news, Southwest Airlines now says it will no longer force its 56,000 employees to be vaccinated by a December 8th deadline. Again, this is very big news because Southwest had said that any employees who were not vaccinated by that deadline would be forced onto unpaid leave. Now they're saying that will not be the case. We're going to break that down. Plus, why the CEO of Southwest says he never wanted to have a vaccine mandate in the first place and felt pressured to by the Biden administration. I've never been uh, in favor of corporations imposing that kind of a mandate. I'm not in favor of that. Never have been. We're going to break all that down for you today. I'm Ben Swan. This is Truth in Media. Make sure you check it out. Now, what's interesting is... You know, the, the the point is that they say they won't do it by December 8th. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't end up being like, well, now we're going to shoot for next year or something and still kind of go along with it. But regardless, this is what regardless, this is what it looks like when you push back. These are companies, guys. There are some of them. And this brings me this reminds me of an interesting point about the CARES Act that I was talking about with this person at the high level in this position. We have to remember that these companies were given lots of money. Under in the beginning, as they pretended they were giving it to Americans, and it, oh, they just basically dumped trillions of dollars into big business. Why do you think they did that? To incentivize them to go along with the plan. Remember the, the Belarus president who admitted they were trying to pay him off with almost a billion dollars to just go along with the narrative. They were, and you could argue they did it because they believed that was the right thing. It doesn't ultimately matter. They gave these companies lots of money, in my opinion, to offset what they knew would be happening that they would be in a position where they would be hurting their own business model and hopefully giving them lots of money would allow it to continue. That's my opinion. Regardless, Southwest Airlines backs off because I think their bottom line was being affected. I think they're losing enough people. They're pushing back against this that they say, well, this is getting counterintuitive, right? We are hurting ourselves to go along with a political and a political agenda. Now, maybe that's what happened. Regardless, they're backing off. But there's a lot of other companies that like, are clearly undermining their own. I mean, look at YouTube. Look at Twitter. Look at what they're doing. And look, like a good example I always bring up is when you know Gillette makes a a male focused company comes up with a commercial that is is you know basically calling out toxic masculinity. Yeah, that's a real great business model, and I guarantee that hurt their bottom line. And they did it because of a political reason, right? There are companies that will actively take a, an action that hurts what they're trying to do, their bottom line, for the agenda. Now, I don't know why their shareholders are okay with that. Maybe because internally they know, well, there's a trade-off here. We're doing this because we just got a billion dollars. That would be okay with shareholders. And maybe that's why there's nothing changing. Regardless, it's good to see pushback and it's good to see it affect what they do. That does happen. And if we stand up in mass and don't allow this, they will change. But that CARES Act part is important to remember because it changed whether or not these businesses are put in the same desperate position that you are. Right. They're not in a position where they're, how are we going to pay for things? How are we going to get this? How are we going to, oh, that's right. We got bailed out by the government before anybody knew what was going on. Not you, though. You got a $1,400 check. <laughs> that worked out well. 
Now, here's an interesting part about misinformation we were talking about. This The, the tweet says he's, uh, he's relating COVID-19 to the spread of misinformation. My technical background, I will say it is possible, but only a group with theoretical experience in computational propaganda de- uh, develop deployment could achieve it. And this is where the future is going, guys. This is where the future of this technocratic control structure is going, and it's happening right now. Not the future, it's literally being built around you right now. This is the Milken Institute, yet again, listen to what he's talking about. He's getting into the concept of how, basically the bottom line is that technology is advancing faster than government can, 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 can regulate. But why that is an inherently flimsy argument is because who's driving the technological advancement to an aggressive degree? The government. So the government is driving this. It's not like the masses of people are driving nanotechnology and the government's going, how do we regulate this? The government is the one driving that. And they're using it as an excuse, just like everything else they do. To go, Well, now look how fast it's going. Now we, we don't know. Now we have to bring in these aggressive government policies because if we don't know, we can't keep track of it. Obviously, that's a perfectly self, uh, uh, I blank it on the term I'm trying to use. It, it works for what they want to accomplish. Self-serving. That's what I was trying to say. Now, let's, let's look at this clip, and you'll see exactly what I mean. It's quite alarming. That. Uh, where I get- oh, and by the way, for some odd reason, the, the subtitles are just dramatically off. I don't even think they're from the same. I, actually, no, I think they're from the same speech, but they're just off, like minutes off. Just so ignore the, the subtitles. Concern is the principle I'm, I would want to optimize for is if technology is changing society faster than the governance ability to capture or understand what's happening and also tweak it. Like if you think about it, if COVID is moving through your immune system faster than your immune system is able to see what's happening, it's going to kill you because it's got faster OODA loops than your immune system. Right now, technology is evolving and shaping society across a million balance sheets faster than any of the governance capacity. And that's, that's a fir- the first derivative of changes. So for example, uh, people worry about t- yesterday's misinformation issues. We're about to live in a world with GPT-3. How many people here know what GPT-3 is? Deep- How many people here have heard of deepfakes? More. So GPT-3 ah. deepfakes are very similar. It's a technology that allows you to say, I want you to generate human-generated uh, text that passes the Turing test that looks just like a human. And I want you to generate a 20-page research paper about why the vaccine is not safe using real facts with real graphs and real charts. I want you to point out the vested interests of everybody who said the vaccine is safe, and I want you to uh, name the logical fallacies in the people who are saying the vaccine is safe. And it will generate a 20-page paper that'll take biostaticians a year to try to decode what that paper said. (laughs) Okay, so let's just be clear here what he just said. I don't know why that loses focus on me. This is what we keep talking about. And he's saying this with a straight face. So you have, you, by the way, don't forget all the bots that the governments have always been using. That's what they're talking about. They're using that stuff today. Just like all, as always, this new breaking thing has been used on you for 20 years. Think about what he just said. So you get a bot or whatever, whether it's a person or a bot that finds the truth, right? Facts. He says factually correct information. They're, they're the, the vested interests of the people making this claim. And that's a problem. Right, because it'll take them all this time to break down how the it's the truth. Like we are in a post, we are actually in a post-truth world here, whether he's going, well, yeah, all that that organized, honest, truthful information. Well, that's dangerous because it was put together by people with intentions that we don't agree with. I, I mean, I was actually bored when I heard him say this. Okay, let me play it again. He is he's saying honest, truthful information, but organized in a way that shows you that what that I mean, 
I don't even know what he's trying to say. So it shows you the vaccine is not safe. It shows you the people that are saying this have a vested interest to say that it's safe, but it is safe. So therefore this is manipulative. I mean, I don't even understand. The point is, as always, that's fake news because we've decided it is. So people who out there can gather up information that makes it look like they may be lying, even if it's true, well, that's bad stuff. And we have to remove that. And that's what they're getting at. This is the future of your technocratic censorship. That The truth can lead to things they don't like. So we need to censor that truth. And then I flood people who are saying the vaccine is safe. The vaccine is safe. And I want you to research paper about why the vaccine, GPT-3 deepfakes are very similar. It's a technology that allows you to say, I want you to generate human-generated uh, text that passes the Turing test that looks just like a human. And I want you to generate a 20-page research paper about why the vaccine is not safe using real facts. Using real facts. With real graphs and with real graphs, real charts, real charts. I want chart. you to point out the vested interests of everybody who said the vaccine is safe, and I want the, so point out the real vested interests. So people that have an interest in saying this, whether or not it's true. I want you to uh, name the logical fallacies in the people who are saying the vaccine is safe, and pointing out how they're saying things that are incorrect. A logical fallacy means you're not that you are manipulating things to make it look like you're right when in fact you're wrong. So all these things are really happening, but here's what he says. And it will generate a 20-page paper that'll take biostaticians a year to try to decode what that paper said. And then I flood the internet with papers like that. So truth, you flood the internet with the truth. Right, I've just, I'm, technology is generating capacities in society faster than we have a governance capacity to solve it. So he left that hanging, right? His implication was that's a bad thing. That's dangerous. Like, look, I don't even care if you want to argue that that's only part of it. It's still truth, right? If you're going to pretend like the mainstream media doesn't aggressively show you one part of a story, then you're a child. The obvious thing he just said there is that the facts and the truth, when organized in a specific way, is a problem for us. And we need to figure out how to get ahead of that to stop it. Now, let, let's be clear. They're, they're not worried about that. They already know what they're trying to do, and they're doing it now. Right. So this is either he's not in the know or he's I don't know. The point is the government, what they're trying to build, that is their solution to stopping that from happening. And that's shutting down your ability to actually engage social credit, vaccine passports, green passports, the controlled Internet, the shutting down of your ability to do anything that's not controlled and, and monitored by the government. Even the truth. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that. So we're talking about and comparing partisan TV to whether a click post. Facebook is adjusting features in their products every day, right? They didn't always have live video. Live video is going to influence society faster. So as they're changing the products, as they're changing the features, as people are generating these new capacities, the principle I would optimize for is the OODA loops of governance has to be faster than the OODA loops of technology's impact on society. Your question. Now, the main point on top of what I was saying in the middle there, is, is that there? it's absurd to pretend like the government is try, rushing to catch up with what they've been driving for 20 years, right? They're well aware of the current real peak of where this is right now, which, by the way, you don't know. As always, there's things that they've been testing for 20 years that they finally go, look at this new thing. So for, them to, for him to argue that just seems a little ridiculous to me. They're not trying to catch up with anything, right? They're driving this in, and this is the excuse. They're, now we need to cr crack down on the internet because of what all these, I mean, what are they even saying? Who's the one driving technology? The, the terrorists, right? The, the, the far-right supremacists? Like, who are they pointing at?
Who is this group out there that are driving technology and deep fakes in a dangerous way? This, is, this doesn't even make sense. Yes, there are technologically advanced people, hackers and whatever else that are out there, but the, to frame it in a way that the, the U.S. government or governments in general are fighting back against this, that, that then puts it on some kind of a foggy entity out there. It's not, it's not Ryan from the, you know, the TLAF show doing this. It's just, I don't know, it, just, that, something about this rings incredibly self-serving and deceptive. And on, this, on the point of censorship on top of that, which is where this is going, that control. Somebody just showed this to me today, and this, this is crazy to me. This is the technique, this is the beginning of the technocratic control structure that's already being built around you. But ResearchGate themselves put this out. Content takedown requests by uh, Elisevere Connect, which is one of these other publications. Right here, you can check it out for yourself. It says a global information analytics business. And the American Chemistry Society are disappointing. Their requests, their content takedown requests are disappointing for researchers in science because there's a better way forward. See our thoughts on this in this article they wrote. Now, here's what it says. A note on recent take content takedowns. So they're taking down. Not only, I'll just read you the first paragraph. You're going to be blown away by this. This is from, this is from the end of September. ResearchGate recently received demands from two publishers. By the way, there's all they're publishing all sorts of things regarding COVID-19 on this website. And that's Elisevere, an American chemical uh, chemical society, excuse me, to remove to remove certain content that they allege infringed their copyrights. Right? So they're going, oh, that infringes on our copyright, but things that have been there for a long time. These types of requests are not really new. Not, not every case, obviously, but these requests are not really new. It says, we have received many similar requests from them specifically in the past and in accordance with applicable law have complied with them. But these most recent requests were notable because of the number of articles involved. Although privately stored files were not affected, the demands by Elisevere and, and ACS resulted in the removal of around 200,000 public files. This just happened. In the context of, commun of a community of over 20 million researchers, this is unfortunate rather than, uh, than existential, but it has sparked an acute reaction from many of our members who believe in the importance of open science. This is censorship, guys. They're hiding something. Given the keen interest, and my guess is they're going back and removing all sorts of things from the past that bolster points that we're making today. Given the keen interest in these events, we want to lay out uh, ResearchGate's position. Our mission is to connect the world of science and make research open to all. In everything we do, we put the researcher first. We have a vision where more content is available for the benefit of science researchers and society at large. At the same time, we respect the rights of publishers and have always complied with applicable laws. We have offered a notice of take and takedown process since the inception of the company. And I love this. They point out that a small number of publishers have taken advantage of these tools. That's what they're saying is happening right now. The decision by these people to simply remove content is disappointing to the entire research community not just because of the loss of to science and researchers, but because there is a better way. Publishers such as Springer Nature and Wiley are working with us to explore the opportunities that openness unlocks for all actors in the scholarly publishing ecosystem with the research at the center. Obviously not where they're driving with the COVID-19 censorship scenario, right? We see the, the, the air, the, the way, the, the world they're building where they're removing these things in real time, not the scientists. Remember, we just talked, Robert Malone just pointed out one of these. The one on myocarditis, we discussed. This, the scientists who were involved with the study, 
the scientists who peer-reviewed the study, backing up that it was valid, were not even informed, none of them, that this was removed. The editorial team, driven by politics, removed the study because they did not agree with the findings. That is incredible. And Robert Malone pointed out in his entire scientific career, he's never seen that in his entire career. That's what this is, guys. They are censoring things in real time. And they have been for years. We're just catching glimpses of what they're doing. Imagine what has been removed from their archives. Imagine what has been changed on YouTube and what has been altered and added and changed. I mean, they are re... I talk about deep fakes. Gee, I wonder what has been altered on YouTube and changed for videos of historical documentation. Rewriting history in real time. In any case, the censorship is continuing. Now, I want to play another clip from COVID-1984 in regard to masks. Like A couple quick points before we I, I end with our guest here and, and let you hear about the upcoming event. By the way, on that note, uh, the video that we were talking about yesterday was indeed COVID-1984. So I want to make that clear. I wasn't unsure. I was, I was unsure for a moment because of a banner, but I was talking to him today, and he did make that. So I appreciate that. So this is his work, and it's important that you give him credit for this if you do share this without his tweet. Weird times today where people are just taking things and sharing them without any credit, which is not necessary at the end of the day for people. I mean, like For what I'm doing, I just want the truth to get out there. But nonetheless, it's a respect factor, right? So I appreciate him following up with me. But this tweet, it just goes to show you that the, the, the people are going to say that this person is its because he's a Republican, he's anti-science, except what he's pointing to is the body of science. And if you look at it and actually look at it, it backs up exactly what he's saying. And I have been showing you this from the very beginning. Masks haven't been a focal point on the show for a minute now, but that's, we've, we've, I mean, we died on that hill. Right? I shouldn't say we died. We were willing to. And I say we came out on top. It, this is an undeniable reality that we have proved a hundred times over showing the science. So listen to what he has to say, the, sur the new Surgeon General in Florida. Oh, actually, I forgot. I believe I have the video. I want you guys to step back for a moment from what you hear sort of constantly on TV. And just very briefly in terms of the data that, uh, that supports mask use in kids and mandates for masks in kids, it is very weak, and that's a fact. But there's a substantial gap between the quality of the data out there supporting masks in kids, yielding any benefit for kids whatsoever. Or anybody, by the way, in the context of really any virus, COVID-19 specifically, or most viruses, that's the truth. The science backs that up. It's incredible it's even contentious, as we've proven that to have beaten that to death. It's obvious. This is a scientist. I mean, it's just this is this this is somebody not not just because they hold the position that means that they're right. I mean, this is the Surgeon General in Florida, right? So he has credentials. He's not anti-science. You can't just say that because he says what you don't like. He's pointing to the science. Factual and the what we're hearing from some of our public health leadership in other states and nationally. In Florida, we're going to stay close to the data and we're going to let you know how we feel about the data. And the data do not support any clinical benefit for children in schools with mask mandates. The highest quality data find no evidence of benefit. Exactly. And, and, that's how, and we're going to stick with that because that's what the data show. Um, and the other thing I'll just add is that, you know, as a parent, hearing these stories of other parents and what they're going through and seeing other parents around the country, these are impossible situations parents are being put in. Putting a mask, something on the face of your child, 
is that's a parent's decision. It's not a school's decision. It's not a school board's decision. It's not a governor's decision. It's, it's no one else's decision except for the parent. And parents are being placed in these impossible situations related to the health of their children. Um, I'm here to help support parents in, in voicing how they feel their children should, uh, should sort of present, should be in the world. And I'm going to be here to, to help with that, to support that. It's interesting, the U.S. Secretary of Education, he, he did like some tweet thread, like it was like a month ago, and he's like, see, follow the data on the mass, and he was citing, he cited a few studies. He cited one study from North Carolina which said forced masking of kids work, but it had no control group because that was required in every school. So they just said it worked without comparing it against what if you didn't do that. Exactly what they pretend we're doing. Right. While we point to the people high, like it, it's just it's so pathetic. It's the same as we've always pointed out throughout foreign policy. Accuse them of that which you are guilty. Classic propaganda. And people pointed that out immediately. Then he cited a study from the university or from uh, Wisconsin about it. And the researcher who did the study immediately responded to the tweet and said, we found no uh, conclusive evidence on the force masking uh, and then and basically said that you should not use my study to do that. Right. Exactly like we've seen many times before. Right. Where they just get caught. Whether we're, you know, it's, it's so like the best example, I think, is, is the most recent one around the hospital in ivermectin. Right. The one that we were actually accidentally played for a quick second. So things are clearly bad, but they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. The emergency room in one rural Oklahoma town is being overwhelmed by people overdosing on ivermectin, the horse deworming medication. It's got. Nope. Fake news. The hospital reached out and said, hey, guys, that's not true. You're lying about that. And don't you love how great she did her due diligence on that? No, she didn't. She just took at face value a self-serving statement or headline that worked for what her, her, her network and her group likes. That's it. The hospital said fake news. Rolling Stone was it, it forced to alter. They didn't even retract it. They just added an extra. Oh, well, they claim it's not true. What do you mean they claim? Oh, it's, their, it's their hospital. They said that's not true. And they even got caught using a picture from a different scenario and claiming it was people waiting in line for gunshots. She lied. They lied. They got caught lying. Nothing happened. Ivermectin is no fake news. It's insulting. This can happen. That's what they're talking about right there. They follow up under the study and the guy who wrote the study goes, guys, that's not what I said. Who cares though? As long as we get the narrative across. Now, just to add to what he was just saying, take a listen to what she says in this little clip right here. So right now we are going to continue to um, recommend masks in all schools for all um, people in those schools. And we will look forward to scaling up pediatric vaccination during this period of time. Oh, good. So we're going to force kids to wear masks everywhere, and we're going to really look forward to giving them all injections, even though they don't need them during the same time frame. Thanks, John. Right? Like, that's, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, let's just make sure we're, we're gonna really excited about this unnecessary thing that's going to put them at risk. They don't need this. And nobody can rationally explain why this is such an aggressive push. They're not spreading it. The asymptomatic risk, as we keep showing you based on all the science they tell you to trust, has shown you that there is no risk there. The majority of the, the 300 to 400 cases of deaths they tell you happened, they haven't proven one of them. The mainstream media pointed that out. The cases of hospitalizations around children, for up to 40 to 50% of them were shown to be false. Kids that went in with a broken leg and got a PCR test and said, oh, well, COVID-19. That has been proven by the mainstream. That was Newsweek that pointed that out. This is an illusion. The biggest study on asymptomatic was 10 million people. 300 cases they found, none of them were transmissible. Why? They didn't have symptoms.
you don't transmit respiratory viruses without symptoms. Even Fauci admitted that back when he was still saying some things that were true in the beginning of this. There's no rationale. They don't need it. They're not at risk. They're not spreading it. What in the world is happening? I think we know. When you see things like this, it's not really hard to see what they're doing. Minnesota offers gift cards, scholarships to students who get the jab. Right. So if it's something that they definitely need and it's, you know, and everyone, everyone knows other than those fringe weirdos over there, why do you need to bribe people? Right. As Lucas Lyon says on his, on his, on his uh, song, we just played the other day, right. You know, pandemics don't need advertising, right. Real pandemics don't need advertising. Exactly. This says Minnesota is offering college scholarships to students between 12 and 17. So people right now, 12 to 15, who aren't even able to take the supposed FDA approved. So you're telling you're coercing children to get an emergency authorized experimental injection gene therapy. And that's okay. You're bribing them. Just the latest attempt by the government to coerce people into getting the jab they otherwise don't want. It says a part of Minnesota Governor, Governor Tim Waltz's Kids Deserve a Shot program. Right. So kids deserve a shot. So you're, like, if, if it was something like, like you're arguing, well, they deserve it too. Where's the, where's the money play into that? If they're so desperate to get it because they deserve one and you're fighting to get it for them, just give it to them. But no, you're saying, well, here's money. Come take it. So if they deserve it, you see what I'm saying? Like you're framing it as like you're going out of your way to do what's right for them. And they all desperately want it. And I can't get it to them. You're bribing them to take it. This is the government desperately wants the shot program. That's what it is. Students are being offered a $200 visa gift card if they get fully vaccinated in the next six weeks. In addition, five lucky shot getters will receive a $100,000 college scholarship if they get both shots within the end of the year. And let's get this. This is, quote, our administration is dedicated to doing everything we can to keep our kids safe during this pandemic by putting them at risk with a shot that increases their risk dramatically. And that includes working to get as many Minnesotans vaccinated as possible. We're doing everything we can to get them in danger. Now, one more point before we finish off with the last part with uh, Derek Bros about to join us on the show. There is increasing Twitter chatter about a new SARS-CoV-2 lineage termed AY.4.2. I'm sure they'll get some fancy new Greek alphabet letter, a descendant of the Delta variant. So now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I don't remember this being that the variants are shedding off, the, you know, like, so it's like alpha became the variant that were that were that ultimately that's the original strain is mutating to create variants. But this seems to suggest that now Delta itself has created its own variant. So are we now having variants of variants? And how does this, I mean, does this look like something that's going to stop happening? They're, what they're doing is driving this, if you believe this is happening at all. Based on their scientific research, what they're doing with everything that's happening, every factor that their injections have created by being not effective, by allowing transmission to continue, all the things that we've proven they've allowed to happen are driving what you're looking at. Now, it also says it carries two characteristic mutations in the spike. So now ask yourself this. If the original strain is meant to produce the spike protein, if it's now different, how in the world do you think that's going to make sense? This is why these things aren't working against these new variants, because they're making something that's dealing with something that's no longer in the room. But yeah, just keep taking it. We'll get a booster out to you. At some point, we'll change it completely based on the new things we're dealing with, which is what they're already working on. And by the time we get those out, we'll be on to 13 new variants by then, but we'll pretend it's still working, just like with the flu. 
as they're years behind. And that's why it's about 13% effective or so on. Because they're just giving you whatever they give you. Well, we're trying to get it right. This is your future. It is likely to be elevated to the rank of variant under investigation. This is frustrating. I just want you to realize, guys, that this is not going away. Right? That's, that's what I need you to see here. This is not going away. This is going to continue on a never-ending cycle unless, like as Corbett says, this will not stop until we stop it. So we're going to end today by bringing on Derek Bros to have a conversation about his recent article, as well as the upcoming event that we're going to give you all the details for in the next, so, next 20, 30 minutes. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you listen. Make sure you come out and join us, guys. It's going to be a great event. Bros, thank you for joining me. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, brother. Thanks for having me on for uh, catching up on this important info. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about in regard to the activation tour that's coming up, and we're going to talk about that in a moment to finish this up today. But I wanted to start with your article you recently wrote. Like I, this is an article that really caught my attention that I, we'd wanted to talk about, but you know the tour has been ongoing, and we're all busy with the meltdown of the world. So it's it's great that we're finally connecting on this because it's a really important article. So why don't we jump into that and and talk about this article that we put up on the last American Vagabond, and and you know what caught your attention with this, and why it's so important to you in regard to the indigenous community. And oh, and by the way, before you start, just the article for the podcast is the UN Food Summit ignored indigenous people and pushed the Great Reset agenda. Go ahead. Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, the reason this caught my eye is because, so we're here in nearing late October, this UN uh, Food System Summit took place in the last week of September. And I saw some mainstream coverage of it as far as like mainstream, let's say like The Guardian and a few others. Um, if the mainstream talked about it, it was pretty much just promoting it as a positive thing. You know, the United Nations General Assembly, Biden and all the leaders are gathering and they're holding a food system summit, which is going to be really great for the future. And, you know, all these sort of false narratives that are being put in front of us. And then there was a couple of articles from The Guardian that were critical of what was going on, which I did, um, you know, quote from in the article and kind of say, hey, here's some here's some different perspectives. But I also felt like even The Guardian and those who are being critical of the UN Food System Summit didn't quite go deep enough. And so it felt like that was important for us to kind of take it a little deeper approach since we've done so much work over the last year and a half covering uh, the Great Reset, you know, the articles, investigations I've written for the last American va uh, Vagabond, as well as the video reports you've done. You know, we've been staying up with the different elements of the Great Reset. And uh, now, you know, we're hearing they're launching a new aspect, the Great Narrative, which is going to be interesting to see. And to me, it's clear when you study the Great Reset, which previously was known as Agenda 2030, and they still use that same terminology, it all goes back to the United Nations um, sustainable Development Goals, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which were set up back in, I think, 2015. And basically, as part of those 17 Sustainable Development Goals, it's the, it's the push that everybody hears about whether they understand it in name or not, this push for a more equitable world, a more diverse world, a more sustainable world, um, more fair systems. And, you know, they like to pay lip service towards uh, supporting Indigenous peoples and things of that sort. But the Food Systems Summit was a clear example of the corporate media and their partners, let's say, in the United Nations. And now that the UN and World Economic Forum have partnered, I think we should definitely make note of that in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Now that they're all partnered together and they got the compliant media, they were really promoting this food system summit as the people summit and how is a victory for the people. And, you know, they kind of even love to say it was there were several uh, stakeholders from the indigenous communities and youth groups and this and that. But there was actually 
500 plus groups who boycotted this event and said like, this is a total charade, you know, and they held their own kind of counter summit, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it felt like to me that this is an important angle of the Great Reset that not maybe everybody might be uh, recognizing. And what's really frustrating is we always see them sort of piggyback on what they believe the people want to see, which is an interesting point that Caitlin Johnstone always makes, which seems to suggest that the American people are inherently good people, right? They know we want good things. We want to be the for striving for freedom. We want to be supporting the, but ultimately that's not what's happening. And as always, we've noted in the past, it's not that we should start looking at things like sustainability and equity as, 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 as negative things that there, sure. we should want these things for everybody. It shouldn't be forced on people, but this is what they piggyback to force in what they're doing. And we've made it clear that none of this is about really any of those things. The yeah. food part of it is really frustrating as you've noted in your work. And I've showed in the past, people like Bill Gates and India and these different discussions, GMOs have very clearly not panned out. As you mentioned in the article, as it, there's very clear historical examples of why these very same people have failed repeatedly to achieve these same ends. And now we're just letting them continue. And it, it's, it's almost irrational. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, as far as, um, you know, not getting sucked into this idea that we shouldn't strive for more equitable systems or more sustainable systems. You know, one of the problems I've noticed, just kind of a side note, is because many people are awake to the United Nations agenda, the Great Reset Agenda 2030, et cetera, in the recent years, I've seen people who like anytime they see that word sustainable, they automatically have this kind of knee jerk reaction. Oh, it must be part of the plan. Right. So, for example, someone like myself, I'm a student of permaculture, got certified for permaculture last year. There are definitely lots of people in the permaculture community who probably do support some of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. These are the people that I was referencing in the article who don't understand that the U.N. has a deeper agenda. Right. But that doesn't mean that everybody who uses the word sustainable or talks about growing food or equity or, you know, diversity for that matter is a part of the agenda. But I definitely see some folks who kind of become just extra scared of any time they hear that word. And look, you should be skeptical whenever the United Nations is talking about regenerative agriculture and sustainable development because we know that the people behind it have a different agenda. But that doesn't mean that every single person out there who's saying like, hey, I want to build sustainable systems or I want to, you know, I want to promote diversity in my community or whatever it may be is a part of that same agenda. I couldn't agree more. And I would even see the more simplistic way to say that is that's not even what they're actually doing. Right? Exactly. These things are good, in my opinion, inherently, as long as they're not in any situation being forced on people. It's just sure. a general idea of striving for a better world. That's not what they're doing. Right. So it's, I agree with you. We should be skeptical when the authority figures are using those terms to sh you know, shadow what they're actually doing, because that's what this ultimately comes back to. Before we get further into the, the, the nitty gritty of this, I wanted to ask you a couple quick points about something you mentioned. Can you briefly point out for people that may not know or following as closely as you what the great narrative actually is? Because that just sounds ridiculous in and of itself. Yeah. So this one, I actually hopefully in the next week, whenever the tour wraps up, I'll be doing a deep dive on this because it seems like it's something we need to you know, follow up with. I just happened to see a report yesterday. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but it was shared on activistpost.com. And, it, you know, they're just saying the World Economic Forum launches the next part of the Great Reset, what they're calling the Great Narrative. And I think this is really interesting because they're sort of acknowledging that we need to control the narratives. Like in order for us to push towards the Great Reset, we need a great narrative. We need something that people can connect to. Right. And I think this is when you think about psychologically and going back through totalitarian regimes and the state trying to make the state all encompassing, like where everything is the state. You do everything for the state, for the health of the state, for the good of the state. But now we're at a point where they're talking about public-private partnerships. And so it might be like for the good of the corporate state, you know, or whatever it may be. But the, the point is they, uh, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, there's some quotes from him when they announced this just in the last two days or so, I believe, saying, we're going to have a meeting in January in Dubai 
about the great narrative for the launch of the great narrative. And they're also planning a new book about it too. So I definitely think that's something we should be paying attention to. But this just seems like, I mean, for all we know, I've been really emphasizing this on the tour. It's 2021, nearing 2022. Their agenda is 2030. We're like in the beginning stages of what they call, and as I know it in the article, the decade of transformation, right? right? So I suspect that in the coming years, we might see more of these type of programs launched. Like this, the Great Reset could have just been the beginning. The Great Narrative's next, and you know, who knows what comes next, right? So right. it's definitely something to keep up with. What's interesting too is that like the the way that they're framing it, like you said, the good of it ultimately boils down to way that they're saying the good of the community, the good of society. But what they mean when they say that is the public private partnership, because they're, that's the whole concept. That's what Whitney and I called it the shell game of government manipulation, where, you know, they use the public private concept to act like, well, no, it's not government. You can't FOIA request this, right? So it's this kind of quasi public scenario. And then they point to the good of the community and it's what the good of their agenda is what it ultimately boils down to. And you mentioned the 2030 thing. And I find that really this is a point we've already talked about that I think this is so incredible that the concept of what Agenda 2030 ultimately is, is was is still generally deemed as some kind of conspiracy theory. And yet it's openly happening. And even the concept of these things being intertwined, Agenda 2030, which is a real verifiable thing people can look up, that crosses over with the Great Reset. And now we're seeing on paper that that's very real. And it's just so crazy how we can things that we're verifiably proving, things that we know are true are being regarded as conspiracy theory. It's absolutely crazy. So go ahead and comment on that if you want. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say you're right. I mean, like the, the fact is that, and this is one of the points I was trying to make in the article is that people who hear about Agenda 2030, the United Nations Great Reset, if they're still operating under the assumptions that these people have positive you know, goals or positive intentions, then it's easy to dismiss it as a conspiracy theory because you look into it and it's like, yeah, these people are talking about, again, equity, equity, uh, sustainability, diversity, you know, rebuilding the food systems and ending world poverty and hunger. And like, OK, anybody who doesn't you know, kind of read between the lines is going to hear that and see that and be like, what are you talking about? These people are just trying to improve right. the planet. Right. So it does involve a little bit of needing to kind of be discerning, need to think with you know, a critical mind and, and look with a critical eye. But also, again, Look at who the people are, the World Economic Forum, these different folks get to understand what they're really about. So I'm just going to dive in now a little bit with the Food Systems Summit. Well, yeah, well, real quick before you say that, and this would bridge to that, to driving into that, the point is that, you know, we're talking about things that are already able to be accomplished. World hunger yeah. could be solved, however you want to name that, right now with how much the U.S. alone throws away every year. We've talked about this many times. So it ultimately comes down to achieving these solutions the way that they want them to. And that's why I wanted to shout out the Greater Reset yeah. as an alternative to realize there's other directions that you can go in this. And they're trying to claim they're doing it for the greater good. We're going to solve world hunger. Well, yeah. solving it the way that's advantageous to the select group at the top of this pyramid, right? Not necessarily the ways that we we could so which brings yeah. us over to these people and their past actions which is what i think it's important to point out because it becomes impossible to especially for the people out there the normies if you want to jokingly call them the people out there that would not want to hear what we think their intentions are they're talking about solving world hunger you know we'll say well we think they're doing it for nefarious reason it comes down to their failed efforts from before i'm sure exactly. there are people involved that may actually think they're doing things for the right reason but they sure. have continually failed to achieve it with these ends and it's hurt people. So however you see this conspiracy or otherwise, why would we allow people who have failed at this end to keep trying, right? Which brings us to exactly. their past actions and what you were gonna get into, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of add to that as well, like it is important to, to really be able to see, if you take them for their word, then you're gonna get one, you're gonna get one kind of 
representation, one appearance of what's happening. But obviously, it, as I was saying, you do need to think critically. You need to look at these people's past actions. But also, as you mentioned, like we could solve things like world hunger. We could create more sustainable world. We could plant more trees. We could do all kinds of different things. And these are the kinds of things we try to promote with the greater reset activation, people's reset, the actual people's reset, not this UN corporate thing. Um, because their vision is a technocracy. Their vision is they should be the ones to lead it. That's the big difference, right? We're not talking about some bottom-up grassroots, you know, global change, which I believe is happening and can continue to happen. They very much believe it should be a top-down organized. That's why they're writing all these books and they're just expecting us to go along with it. Mm -hmm. So um, at the beginning of the UN Food System Summit, uh, UN Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres, he announced that the reason they were doing this is because they realized just like everything else. COVID has shown that the world's systems are fragile and hunger is on the rise again. And, you know, climate extremes, food insecurity, inequality, all this stuff. And so he says, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic put these worrying trends in overdrive. And they are saying the food system summit is now a solution summit to make the transformative effects of food systems a driver for the achievement of the sustainable development goals by 2030. So again, it's all about the 2030 agenda. I sort of outlined that. I'll leave those who want to dive deeper to read the article or to just look on some other uh, reports on that. What I mainly try to do with this is, for one, poke holes in the fact that this thing is some sort of representation of what the people want, or it's, you know, really taking stakeholders from all walks of life. And I gave a few examples that we mentioned in our interview a couple uh, weeks ago. I kind of got more details for that. For example, Mr. Monsanto, the current uh, Department of agricultural secretary who served under Obama and now is back under Biden, connected to the U.S. dairy industry, connected <clears throat> to Monsanto, approved more GMOs than anybody else during his time uh, as governor of Iowa. You know, just all those different connections. This guy is out there leading the charge for the U.S. Um, during the world system, uh, the U.N. Food System Summit. So I thought that was important to note. OK, look, already off the bat, we're getting people who clearly are not thinking about the people, but you know, we're being told this is for the people. Tied directly to the GMO failures that they continue to push in. Right? Exactly. A hundred percent. Exactly. So they're, they're going to, that's, and that's an important point to note, Ryan, because they still hold up. And if you go look up right now in the green revolution and let's say a Wikipedia page to tell you with the official narrative, right? It's going to promote it as if it was still a positive thing. And for those who are unaware, the green revolution, and I kind of cover some of the history in here in the seventies, from the 50s on to the 70s, the Rockefeller Foundation was partnering with different um, kind of minions of theirs. And they went to Mexico, they went to India, and they started to create new food systems, right? They thought, oh, these poor Mexican indigenous farmers who've been doing this for thousands of years, and these Indian farmers, they don't possibly know what they're doing. Clearly, they need us to tell them what to do. So they brought in the food systems that we know today, which is monocropping, G uh, GMOs, pesticides, right. you know, all the stuff that we are very aware of today, which people are getting cancer from, all the things we could talk about. Though That's the green revolution that they promote as some sort of success, right? I, I know we're limited on time, but do you have any thoughts just quickly on on, on the idea of, of uh, monocrop, basically forcing them to grow one crop repeatedly and, and what that does to the longevity of, of farming and, and the, the land? A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely can, it destroys the soil, it depletes the soil over time. And yeah, people don't realize that when you're just putting, for example, in the United States, it would be corn or GM, uh, GMO corn or soy, right? That's like the monocropping. And it's most of the Americas at this point. Um, and there's a whole other topic we could get into is how the colonization through the Green Revolution for Mexican farmers and others, it's another form of colonization where they displace their kind of traditional food systems and said, oh, no, you don't need to be growing that. Grow these things instead. Right. And so there's just so many layers to it. But absolutely, when it comes to the soil, 
when you're doing monocropping, if you just keep planting this over season after season, same thing, and there's no crop rotation or any of these kinds of things, you deplete the soil, you deplete the nitrogen in the soil, which is right. needed, you know, for everything. And yeah, and then that destroys land for a good while, then they have to move and they just keep doing that cycle. Whereas with systems like permaculture, you would be doing or just indigenous growing methods, you would be doing crop rotation, you know, maybe you'd be more nomadic, you'd be moving around, there's just different methods that would be applied. And that's kind of one of the things I point out in the article is like, we have all this wisdom, thousands and tens and thousands of years of growing methods prior to Bill Gates, prior to the Rockefellers, prior to Monsanto. It's not like people couldn't grow food before then, you know, but that's the way they sort of promote it is like without the green revolution, we wouldn't have all these great successes and their success hall of fame includes Indian farmer suicides because of the Terminator genes, the displacement, as I said, of traditional farming methods and crop methods. There are still some places in Mexico where we're living where you can find farmers who are just doing their old school thing. But you also see a lot of farms who have already been converted to pesticides and you know that sort of thing. And then you're so, trapped. Once that yeah. there's a great documentary called Food Inc. I believe that talked yeah. about that in the past where you're trapped. You know, they they they, they can drift into your field and suddenly they go, oh, that's our patented gene, and now you have now that we own your farm. You know, yep. this has been happening for a long time, and they've been hiding it. It's disgusting. Yeah, even they in the lock, United States, they lock farmers into into payments of you know anybody who's paid attention to the food fight for a while knows that like this is part of the, the whole strategy right monsanto's terminator genes mm -hmm. they're roundup ready you can spray them with as much crap as you want they won't die oh but the seed dies you got to buy more next season right instead of farmers being able to, to traditionally plant crops harvest them save the seeds put them away for the next season and you know continue on and on now it's like nope that seed won't work you got to keep buying from us so there's a lot of problems we could spend the whole conversation just talking about the current food systems problem but the point is for those who are unaware of any of those problems to recognize that it's still the rockefeller foundation it's still the gates foundation a lot of the same players now coming back for a new round of you know remaking the food systems and it's all under the guise of the great reset uh, I'm going to point out a couple other issues for those who just need kind of that backing to help people understand that the UN and this whole thing is just a charade. Mm -hmm. There was uh, some good opposition and some some public opposition to the woman who was appointed as the head of the UN Food System Summit, seen as like this is going to be representative of the people. Her name's Agnes Kalibata, and she's a former Rwandan minister of agriculture. Now, the reason people were critical of her is because when she uh, before this, she was serving as the president for the Alliance for the Green Revolution in, Ag in Africa, or AGRA. And AGRA, of course, is funded and was founded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation. So you got this woman who worked in Rwanda as the Minister of Agriculture, was the president of the Alliance for Green Revolution. We just talked about all the problems with the Green Revolution, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, funded by the Rockefellers, and they put her as the head of, you know, the sort of people's side of the summit. And right, rightfully so, people were critical. You know, there was 160, 76 organizations from 83 countries saying that her appointment was, quote, a deliberate attempt to silence the farmers of the world and wow. basically saying that this is going to go into a agro-industrial corporations. Like, those are the real shareholders. So this, this is incredible. 176 organizations from 83 different countries, and yet this continues forward as the People's Summit. Yep. It's, it's all an illusion, guys. Exactly. And there was so, you know, to kind of add to that point, there was also um, 
an alternative, like I said, a sort of a counter summit when the food system summit began, there was the civil society and indigenous people's mechanism, which is made up of more than 500 civil society groups, more than 300 million members. They publicly boycotted the event and they set up their own parallel event. And they had 300 organizations participating, including small scale food producers, indigenous people, uh, different NGOs and others who were saying like, we're not gonna participate in this charade, you know? So they launched their own summit. And again, it was good to see these kinds of things happening because they were calling out and saying like, look, the UN is saying they're they're paying attention or they're listening to indigenous people um, as part of their stakeholders. But I kind of went in there and you see the summits broken down into five areas, five action tracks. And, you know, the long and short of it is you see corporations like Nestle, Tyson, Bayer, International Fertilizer Association, and only one indigenous group that's involved. Right. So it's clear that things are leaning heavily one way. Right. And as they always are. And I just wanted to read this part of the quote you put in bold. And this is what we're always pointing to, pointing to the GMO problem, the same point. What they're saying is not just that they disagree with their direction, but it's not that instead what they're doing is a dangerous distraction, which by narrowing the focus to finance, technology, and innovation, which is clearly what the Great Reset's about as the solutions alone will only exacerbate food insecurity and equality. It's the same old problem on repeat. And I would continue to argue from my perspective, that's what they're trying to create absolutely absolutely i agree with you i mean they're they're i i it's clear they're trying to destroy the food systems i mean that's what it really comes down to this is a corporate taker of the food takeover of the food systems at a likes we haven't seen since the previous you know takeover of the food systems right it's just kind of yeah. going to the new level and i mentioned earlier i felt like this was important to put in the article because i'd only recently read about this and it's just kind of to me it, it indicates the steps that were happening pre-covid right so june 2019 six, seven months before we hear about COVID, the United Nations and the World Economic Forum signed an agreement between Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, and the Secretary General of the United Nations, saying that they were going to start a new partnership to, quote, accelerate the implementation of 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And then, of course, right there, right, black and white. <laughs> fast forward, we get COVID, we get the Great Reset, and now they're working hand in hand, right? And again, if, if for people who believe that, like, the United Nations in the best version, like let's imagine it was some ideal world. And it's like, okay, this is a representative of representation of all the different governments of the world. We get together, we have discussions, we can figure out how we can improve the world. Like that's the best case scenario, right? Clearly we're pretty far from that, but there are people who still believe that. They kind of believe that general picture that whenever the United Nations comes out and says, we're gonna do some program for this good thing or that good thing, they're like, oh yeah, that's great. You know, the United Nations, we can still count on them. And of course, there are a lot of people who are aware of the real agendas of the United Nations. But I just think it is important to draw that distinction because it does seem like there are some folks who maybe they're critical of the UN Food Systems Summit, but overall, <clears throat> they still believe in the Agenda 2030 goals or right. they believe that the United Nations has positive intentions. And again, like you were kind of saying earlier, I'm for sustainability. I'm for equity and diversity and these kinds of things when done voluntarily from the bottom up. Right. And maybe we need the people's sustainable development goals. I mean, it's kind of what we're trying to do with the Greater Reset, right? What is our vision? What is the goal we're trying to aim for? And how do we achieve that without these governments forcing on us on, that on us? But their vision is not that. Their vision is like, this is what the world needs based on what we say is necessary. And you guys are going to live in it, you know? And, and, <laughs> and driving that through a technologically driven angle, right? That's the craziest part to me is it's all funneled into the only thing that, that works for their agenda. And remember, we, as I pointed out a million times, and this has been reiterated on 2013, 2016, back in 2002, they put out the document that said, look, we're going to change this, the course of human evolution using nanotechnology. 
right? I mean, that all ties in with all they're doing. I mean, this is applying to everything, even with the food system. I mean, this is a technological angle using artificial intelligence, using all the stuff we're talking about, right? It all converges with the world they're trying to create, reimagining our society, which apparently Paskey says won't cost a dime, which doesn't make any sense. But it's obvious that this is where it's all driving toward. Now, I know we're limited on time. If you have any other points you wanted to discuss within the overarching kind of how this came together and everything, uh, go ahead and talk about it. But I want to jump on the supply chain before we finish off with the activation tour. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to, uh, again, I encourage everybody, I know you'll link it, Ryan, to really read the article. There's not enough time today to really dive deep into every single aspect. But as with all my articles, I link to all kinds of sources. So if you need to dive deep and get you know more informed, what you were just talking about, Ryan, of course, is part of the fourth industrial revolution um, agenda, which right. is a part of the Great Reset pushed by Klaus Schwab, the same guy behind the World Economic Forum who just partnered with the United Nations. And so I kind of end the article with helping people see, okay, now that you understand the UN Food System Summit, here's some background on the Great Reset. How do these things tie in together? And really painting that picture for people to see that what they're talking about here is remaking the food systems. And I point to even how um, some of the organizations involved, I'll just give one example, the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition, who announced a commitment to transform the food system. They are a partner with the World Economic Forum. They've been working with the World Economic Forum for years. They launched this system called the Access to Nutrition Index, which is supposed to help people find out if their foods are healthy and you know which foods are nutritious. But it's developed and funded and was funded from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Wellcome Trust, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Right. And these are the people who are trying to like create the new the new food pyramids, if you will. Right. And I just think people need to be very skeptical about how much we trust these people. What they say is healthy and nutritious. Right. Yeah. And then the last article, the last part of the article kind of touches deeper on what we were just saying, the history of how this has been going on for a while. The the previous Green Revolution, the way the Rockefellers went down to Mexico, they worked with the Mexican president back in the 50s and 60s, and they brought in CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, which is the big industrial farming that people are aware of. Like all that stuff didn't exist in Mexico and a lot of the so-called third world prior to the Green Revolution. Right. And that's le led to you know all kinds of horrible problems that we could get into. But the last point I'll make, and we can kind of uh, get into the the supply chain is that I wanted to make the point here that again, the Rockefellers have been talking about this. I know Christian from ICH farmer covered this last year. I believe you probably did that. They put out a document last year called reset the table, meeting the moment to transform the U S food system. Right. And it talks about much of the same things. And the reason I include that is just for people to really understand that, look, this is the same people we're seeing. This is the same people behind the great reset. It's the same players from the Rockefeller family. It's the same players from the Gates family. And in my investigation, my three-part investigation to Bill Gates last year, I showed how the Gates and the Rockefeller families are definitely tied in together and have been for generations. So, you know, there's no reason to suspect anything different out of what they're promoting here. And I think it's absolutely important as we're going through their decade of transformation to counter their narrative by showing people articles and, and works like this so that those who have good intentions but are being led down the wrong path can see through the propaganda. I couldn't agree more. And as I always try to point out, this is not the, the, even further back, right? We know that the original drive from the Rockefeller and the Carnegie's at the time, and the Carnegie's involved today as well, in regard to what I, I call the true history of deceit within the rise of Western medicine. And I'll, rec I'll leave this in the show notes and you can, the video course is gone, but you can see that that's weird. The pictures aren't showing up, but the point is that these, the Rockefellers and the Carnegie's using the flexion report and so on, they redirected our medical direction 
back to back in the 19th century in regard to, or yeah, I think it'd be 20th is 1900s in regard to petrochemical drugs. And we're still there today. And that's the same thing that's happening now. They're trying to drive it in their own advantageous direction. Now, uh, in regard to the food supply, just, or the food, the supply chain and the issues we're seeing right now, I just want your thoughts quickly on, you know, it, it seems obvious that the, the timing sort of ridiculous that they're coming out with this World Food Summit. Look, look at look, all the bad stuff that's happening. And that just justifies why we need to change everything simultaneously. Do you think that they're connected? Do you think that that's, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, there's orchestration around this whole thing, I think. Yeah, I think it's clear there is orchestration. There's no coincidence that we're in this decade of transformation. The UN Food System Summit is coming about at the time of rising inflation, at the time where they're saying all these different shipping, you know, errors are happening. It's going to cause this thing and that thing. And I think I told you when we were hanging out a couple weeks ago that we're traveling the country right now, man, and we're seeing inflation definitely everywhere we go, like gas prices, food prices, hotels, anything like that, like is it's all up way up. Right. And so the combination of the rising inflation, the combination of what we're told, all these different shipping containers are waiting to be, you know, they're backlogged and all the stuff that's just kind of happening. Oh, cause COVID caused this thing. And then here they are, you know, just appearing magically with here's the solution, you know, to right. this problem. It's clear to me that this is timing, this is planning. And to the people who are paying attention, if people are paying attention at all, casually, like let's just say that average person that's not kind of tuned into this stuff, what they're gonna hear is the UN is trying to do something good. Wow, we are experiencing inflation. Wow, the supply chains are being disrupted and maybe these food systems aren't so great or people who already recognize, you're right, these things are unsustainable. These things are not you know, the kind of food systems I wanna support. And here are the United Nations with a positive plan. Well, I guess we better support that, right? It's, it's timed perfectly so that they can once again be the saviors presenting the solution to the problems that they helped create. And uh, I'll just add one more note, just anybody who's interested because you were getting into the history with that last article. Um, we've mentioned before, um, I've been in the process of releasing a 16-part documentary series. We just released, like as of this morning, Chapter 7 of the Pyramid of Power, and it's on Big Pharma and the medical cartel. So for those who want more of that actual background, that history, to learn more about the Rockefellers taking over the medical industry, um, then please go to thepyramidofpower.net. You can check out the, the latest episodes or on theconsciousresistance.com and get some of that background because it's important to understand that really going forward, it definitely is vital to know that knowledge so that you can educate other people about why these sort of efforts are not in our interest. Absolutely agree. And I'll make sure we include that so people can check it out. Hugely important topic. James Corbett's documentary, How and Why Big Oil Conquered the World, really gets into that as well. It just shows you that this is not new. It's ongoing. And it's just, it's just another step in this same process of controlling you and how you live your life. Now, let, let's go ahead and finish off with the discussion of what is coming up here. And, and you know, on that same note of what what this is all about solutions that aren't being driven into an you know what's what's most advantageous for these controlling factors right this is there are other paths other choices that can be take made paths that could be taken right and that's what the activation tour is all about that you are not alone and that there's other choices that can be made so why don't you give us your uh, talk about what this is for people that haven't seen it and we'll talk about where the upcoming franklin one and finish it up sure yeah, absolutely. Again, brother, I'm so happy to be working with you on this and all the great people that we've uh, been able to collaborate, man. We're down to the, we have, we're today, we're recording, we're in Brooklyn, we have our event today. And so we're down to the final seven events after the last two months. And uh, it's 20, 29 total cities. We're basically visiting every single city. We're trying to do what we call community action days, where we go out and uh, we do different things. Some places we've worked in urban farms, community gardens. Sometimes we've gone out and passed out flyers about COVID-related information, the vaccines, the shots. Uh, sometimes we do park cleanups. 
We've also gone out and tried to talk to businesses about putting up the signs about no discrimination. I saw you share something about that earlier today. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of different things in each community, but the goal is that, you know, I have some things to share. We're traveling with Ramiro Romani, who some folks probably know who he is now that he's been on the channel and my partner, Miriam, we're all bringing kind of different elements to it. And that's important. Obviously we think that's valuable, but we also don't want to just come to town and say, Hey, look at us, pay attention to us. We want to contribute to the places we're going mm -hmm. and actually encourage people who maybe are like, Oh, Derek's coming to town. I'll come get involved. Maybe people who don't typically get involved, they come out, they get involved, they, they meet new people in their community. They find out about new venues or new community gardens. They can get involved or whatever it is. The point is, they're getting, you know, they're building local connections. And that's really what the tour is about because in the face of everything we've just discussed and everything that you cover every single day, there are so many people who are looking for solutions. And I can definitely say, man, after having done 21, 22 cities at this point, there are people all over this country who are hungry for solutions and they're in crowds, big and small. We've been to some cities where it's 12 people, 15 people. We've been to some places where it's 150 plus people, right? But every city, we're getting the people who are really like the diehards, what I feel like, the people who are ready to like start growing food together, start pulling their kids out of school, start pulling money out of the banks or whatever solutions apply to them. But they're, you know, we're very much trying to get people to think about if we know that the Great Reset's coming, the Agenda 2030, and they've got trillions of dollars invested into this and all this energy and generational planning. I don't know 100% if we can stop it or avert it completely, but I do know we can survive it by being as much outside of it and not dependent on their systems as possible. So we're traveling. I'm going to be giving a presentation called This is What We're Facing and This is What We Can Do About It. Miriam gives a talk about mental and spiritual health, and she leads a guided meditation. And then Ramiro is talking all about big tech, you know, how to get off big tech. He does have the privacy phone, the above phone with him on the tour. So he's selling those for those who are interested or just kind of introducing to them that. And then on some stops, like we will have in Franklin with yourself, we have select guests. Um, we were with Jason Burmis a couple weeks ago in Iowa. Uh, we're going to be with you shortly. Tomorrow, we'll be um, headed to Philly with Mark Passio and some other great activists. You know, we're just really trying to bring out as much of that community aspect as possible. And so, yeah, today we're in uh, Brooklyn with some friends, and then we'll be coming to Franklin um, by the end of the week with you. And I'm really excited. And I hope everybody who's listening to your channel, who whether they live in Tennessee or any of the surrounding states, like this is a chance, come out. You know, I've been really, really, really humbled, man. People have told us I drove eight hours to get here. I drove six hours, five. I mean, that's just like, wow, you drove eight hours. You still got to drive eight hours home. Thank right. you for like, here's a free shirt, right? Like, <laughs> you know, because that's, that's some real effort, right? But it's, yeah. that's how, that's how excited and hungry for solutions people are. They were like, okay, nothing's happened in my area. I'm going to drive to the closest one because I need to meet people. I need to connect with people. I need to feel inspired and motivated right now, which is really what a lot of people have been missing over the last year. So many people have felt alone. So we're just yeah. trying to do this tour, man, and bring everybody together, focus on solutions, focus on empowerment and really hope people go away feeling activated in the truest sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's that's the point is that person that drove all that way. You, you might even realize that your community has just as many people that also don't realize that you're there or that they're yep. there. Right. This is what we're trying to show people. Right. At least you know what you are not alone. And I want to give a shout out to the sticker you can see on here for those in the podcast. It just says we do not discriminate against unvaccinated religion, race, sex, vaccinated, maskless mask. All neighbors are welcome. Right. This is the point. It's not like, no, you can't come in because you're wearing a mask. We, it's it, we don't discriminate. Right. And mm -hmm. that's the reality. And th I should give a shout out. The sticker in at least in, in Franklin area was was promoted and created by Tennessee Stan. So good for them. And but cool. we're, we're promoting it because, you know, it doesn't have any. It's just about anybody. We're all trying to jump in on this. And so I want people to make sure you come out, support us, spread the information. The 24th, five points downtown in Franklin and make sure you're checking out any other two where you can get to with Derek and the, the other locations up until Franklin. I also want to just do a quick shout out to. 
Uh, at the very least, as I say in this in this tweet, some companies seem to be standing up for the people. Support those companies. Boycott the rest. I will not comply. Apparently, In-N-Out Burger is blasting San Francisco over their vaccine mandate and saying, we will yeah. refuse to become your enforcing. Good for them. Maybe it'll change. But in the time you can see this, you support the people that are supporting you. So really Absolutely. appreciate you being here, Derek. And I'm excited to uh, for us to connect again and have these speeches. And we're playing music as well. So it'll be really yeah. fun. You know, and it's just yeah. Getting the truth out there, you know. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your music too, man. If you decide to jam, and I, I definitely, yeah. I'll tell you this, man. So we, we, like I said, we got a few stops left. Again, anybody who's interested, activationtour.org. Check out the schedule if we, if we haven't missed you already. Come out if you can. But I will tell you this, man. So many people have told me they're coming to this stop in Franklin. People right. who've already been on the other stops are like, I'm flying to Franklin. I'm flying into like Tennessee to like. So it's, I think we're going to have a good stop. I think we're going to have a good response and uh, we're really excited. So if you're out there and you're hearing this, I encourage you make the effort. You know, no, nothing good is going to come this next decade if we choose not to push past our discomfort, push past our fears, our doubts, whatever it is, instead of staying home, get out the house, go out there and connect with people. I promise you good things will come from it. I couldn't agree more. Great place, great place to leave it, Derek. Thank you for joining us. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.